Welcome back to the Whispers from the Shadow podcast. I'm Super Jimmy. I'm his pleasure. We're, today we're doing something a little different. We're ranking Masters of Horror picked by ChatGPT. So uh, I've got 30 <laughs> of them picked out between ChatGPT and me and Miz are going to kind of debate on see where we should put each one of these different authors, writers, screenplay artists, directors on this list. And part of it also is going to be, it's going to be a group effort. This is not like my opinion outweighing Jimmy's or Jimmy's opinion or opinion weighing outweighing me. It's we're coming together with this because we both have different views on some of these directors. We've actually had talks prior before recordings or just randomly when we're gaming together. So it, it's a mm-hmm. group effort. It, it really, it really is. Cause like me and him have talked about several on this list before. Um, I'd say oh, yeah. probably about a good, like 75%, 80%. And, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty good, but yeah, it's just going to be a, a team effort between me, Miz and myself. And we're just going to rank these lovely fine people, um, based off of what's going on or what their so, works are and everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first up is Alexander Aja or Alexandre Aja. Excuse me. He is a French director. Uh, if you're not familiar with his name, he directed the movie The Hills Have or the remake of the movie The Hills Have Eyes, Crawl, Mirrors, Horns, and the first Piranha. And for me, he's a very, very good director. I love the remake mm-hmm. of Hills Have Eyes. It's a fantastic remake. Um, and like I said, I, I had no opinion on crawl for the longest time until my wife was like watching it or made me watch it with her. And I fell in love with that movie. The movie was really, really good. Right. 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 So I would like for me personally, like just based off of those two films that like I, I personally love, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like they're working to masters. They're, they're still like got to come up with more, I would say original in the sense ideas. Right. Uh, but I, I feel like they'd be able to work their way into masters easily. They're, they're a very good director. Okay. So I've enjoyed what he he's done. So for me, honestly, I would have to say working toward working to masters just for the simple fact that he doesn't have a very long, di- uh, I guess you could say filmography, discography, what do you want, whatever you wish to call it. But honestly, what he has put out, I do like for the most part, cause I liked the remake of Hills have eyes. I liked to crawl. I liked mirrors and I liked horns. Piranha was so kind of a that, that's buddy where I like also. That's fair. I was gonna say that that's also with like horns. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the full movie start to finish. I came in like my wife was watching it like 10, 15 minutes in, but I watched it right from there for the rest of it. I liked it. It's weird because that was also uh, like what one of like Radcliffe's first or second films uh after harry potter so yeah. it had a lot surrounding it um my problem with it again i feel like it was still too teen heartthrobby in the sense that's fair that's fair i i can agree with that but yeah i think he i think he would be good in working two masters just just based off of that because i think that the longer because he's only been directing since 1999 which isn't really that long in the grand scope of things but um He's also uh, he's also produced Crawl, Urban Nightmares, The Pyramid, Horns, and a movie called or uh, yeah, a movie called Maniac. Oh my god, that was like ninety one, I think. Yeah, he's That's so he's been he's been in the film industry for quite some time, but um, 
Yeah. Like he's he, like a lot of the stuff that he, or a lot of the stuff that he directs, he also produces or co-produces, I should say. Okay. So I, I think he, I think, I think he has a lot of room to grow still, even with all the stuff that he has put out. But oh yeah, no, I mean, every, every director can go through that. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I could definitely see him like within the next 10, 15 years, uh, depending on what he puts out, like doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, next up, uh, I'm not sure if Miz is familiar with her or not, but I know he's seen her works. Um, Miss Anne Rice. She gave uh, us. Yes. Uh, yes. Anne interview. Rice. Interview with the vampire queen of the damned. Um, and then she has an entire book series that's centered around the vampire Lestat. And she's also um, co-written and written some books with her son, too. So very nice. Yeah. So for me personally, when it comes to most of her work adaptations that people have taken over on, like Queen of the Damned, Interview with the Vampire and stuff, right? Uh they're they're hit or miss with me. Cause like Love Queen That's of the Damned is a very cold classic. Uh you know, it's a very big contributor to like the early two thousands. Uh gave us some great songs too. Oh yeah. I was gonna say, like it's brought a lot like that's why i say it, it, it hits for me but in this is because i fucking absolutely hate it interview with the vampire like book movie i just hate it i hate it all that's but fair. the thing is i i would definitely throw her in the masters because she her influence you can't deny like look at all the yeah. like gothic vampire stuff i mean granted you could throw twilight in there and be like oh god why but i mean it gave us things like underworld and amongst mm-hmm. other things like that it's a very awesome. very big influence also, on top of that, when I was doing research on her, I didn't know this, but I found out that she has a very, very big cult following for the most part. And I did oh, yeah. not know that. Oh, um, I did. Uh, my sister, hell, would fucking read her books like crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think Masters is good because she she has been very influential for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're, I know I'm six minutes late on this, but the ranking system goes S timeless masters, which means that they have been influential in different forms, uh, of, uh, art forms, whether they were an author that got many books made, many television series made stuff like that, or, uh, they've influenced other genres. Then you have masters. That's kind of self-explanatory. These people are, you know, anything they put out is a hit. Um, then you have working two masters, which is B and that one is where they're in that in-between phase of either working to become masters themselves or they want to, uh, or, or they've got such a, a, a small discography filmography. Um, uh, what's the other, what's the other word for when you, um, when you have like not a lot of books out they're an up and coming person in general. Yeah. Yeah. Just up and coming in general. Um, uh, or and, they're also like the, they have more hits than misses. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's hard to come by in, in horror film industry for me personally, just for the simple fact that like uh, one, one wrong move and you're like, Oh, uh, whoops. And then finally last, last tier is C tier, which is hit or miss. Uh, that means that either myself and Miz or me or Miz just don't really have a whole lot to go off with this person that we like, but they made some stuff that we do like. Yeah, it's one of those like 
they have some good ones they have some bad ones or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like you you can find that gem that's a really good one or out of the ones that everyone's shown you it's like yeah no it's tainted them i i can't stand that director or writer or whatever it's like they 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 tainted my they tainted my ability to like uh x movie or or c movie or whatever mm, yeah or like and that it, one actor you can't stand kind of thing yeah you know like keith urban <laughs> oh my god that's so fucking funny i was so confused I'm sorry if Keith Urban or Carl Urban ever hear this. I love you both in your respective art forms. Keith Urban with your acting and Carl Urban with your uh, your your country your, uh, music. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh my god! I swear to God, they're gonna see this and they're gonna be, and Carl Urban's gonna show up at to my uh, up to my door as friggin' the guy from the boys and just oh yeah, oh, Billy. yeah. <laughs> he's gonna show up as Billy and just whoop my ass. <laughs> or worse, he's gonna show up in full dread uniform. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I would I would both be happy and scared at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Next up uh, is the father of Dracula, aka Mister Bram Stoker. If you have not read any of his books, he's only got one that is noted in uh, the horror genre of itself, which was Dracula. But he started writing in eighteen seventy nine. And Dracula was published after his death by his widow in 1897. And who would have known like 40, almost 50 years later, that'd be one of the like cold classic films ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a fun fact before we even really get into uh, ranking him after he, after the uh, film Nosferatu, his widow sued the company that made that won the lawsuit all forms of it were destroyed except for one single copy and that one single copy is the exact same copy that we have all seen if you've ever watched the nosferatu so because of his widow winning that lawsuit because they didn't ask her for um rights uh, and le- stuff. yeah they didn't ask her for rights or anything like that so she won she got she won the lawsuit got the money from the lawsuit and then Nosferatu was destroyed, but because of someone's intelligent mind, they saved a copy of the reel of Nosferatu, which has been transformed into uh, a track, VHS, movie reels, DVD, and Blu-ray. So that one single copy has made it, what would that be, like uh, 80, 80, 90 years? Or no, it'd be closer no, to 100. Came out, uh, as of right now, yeah, probably be about in the hundreds. Yeah. It'd be a hundred year, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. So my I think something like that. (laughs) So my ranking honestly is because of him that we have all the good and bad vampire books, movies. Yeah, that's immediate. I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie with uh, Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman, Mm -hmm. uh, is fucking classic. And then Mm -hmm. the book itself is timeless this this is a man's work that is still like being recreated today because like of yeah it's like the vampires we're gonna get up to like godfather zombies and stuff it's a timeless thing it's forever that is definitely an s tier him (laughs) i i would have to agree just for the simple fact that because of him we have uh we have you know like you said dracula we have friggin uh 
John Carpenter's vampires we have for you and all the great movies, but we also have, um, what was it? Dracula <laughs> dead and loving it. Friggin yeah, vampire in Brooklyn. Abraham Lincoln, so, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> like, no, I agree. Like, we, we get all the bads, too. I mean, like I said, you can throw your Twilight in there. You can throw your um, Underworlds in there if you think they're bad movies and stuff. Uh, and, um, like, also, uh, fun fact, there is a uh, literary honor in Bram, uh, named after Bram Stoker in the horror author genre called the Bram Stoker Award, which one of the authors on this list, I'm not going to say who just yet, has won. And she was also... Uh, well, actually, hold on. If I say, I'll, I'll, I'll say what, why she was, why she was so groundbreaking in winning it in the first place. Um, later, that'll be that'll be a later thing. But yeah, Bram yeah, Stoker, no, I think, has been super influential. Oh yeah, for sure. That is a guarantee. Oh yeah, big time. He's uh, if you've never read the book Dracula, it reads very like older English. And it's dry in some spots, but it is very, very vivid. It is very it's descriptive in a lot of stuff. At least once. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mr. Bram Stoker, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, next up is one, of, is one of Ms.'s favorite directors, one of my favorite directors, or one of, one of Ms.'s favorite horror directors, one of my favorite uh, directors of all time, uh, Mr. Clive Barker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, for those that don't know who Clive Barker is, quick little rundown. He's directed every single Hellraiser from 1987 to the one that we don't talk about from 2018. As well I as he like the remake. I, I, I wanted to like it, but I felt like some parts were just too drawn out personally. I, I agree with you there, but I love how well paced it feels. The, the, the remake is such a like nice pace it doesn't feel like it mm-hmm. hits a snag i mean there's some parts that's like yeah you could do without but they're like very yeah. few of our the cenobites on screen are such a commanding presence they i agree brings such a, like dreading like overwhelming feel and i love it it's just done so well and then i praise it because i love the like very very and the apotheosis scene where he's ascending like it's just Oh, you know, I, I love the remake. The remake to me, I, I appreciate. I love I love the remake. <laughs> the only scene that I actually really had a big gripe about and spoilers out there. If you haven't seen it, it's five years, five years old, six years old going on at this point. If you haven't seen the one from 2018 is, yeah, <laughs> is uh, the scene where Pinhead goes from being the hell priest back to human trying to become the hell priest again. And that was the like, it's, it's the origin closing story, which is yeah, why they I, I think they wanted to do the whole remake series, which is what I or the remade one, which I absolutely mm-hmm. loved. Uh, the 2018 one is trying to give that origin story way too late in the game, which is the main problem. Yeah, that, that was my only great told several times. Yeah, you you find out that Pinhead was uh, in the original when they told his he was he, he was a French soldier in the fort. No. He was an English soldier, excuse me, in the military, and he had gone off to war, seen like all the horrors of war, came home, experienced all the pleasures that the world could offer, and then was just tired of it and wanted more, and then found the puzzle box, opened the puzzle box, became the Hell Priest, aka Pinhead, and that was pretty much the original origin story that we were all happy with. 
it's very quick, simple, but yeah, they, they try to do this whole thing. Didn't turn mm-hmm. out too well, too well. Um, he also, Clive Barker also directed the original Candyman trilogy, as well as one of my favorite uh, gore slash body horror movies, The Midnight Meat Train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have praised that one quite a bit. And I, I do I do enjoy The Midnight Meat Train because it kind of it's kind of a suspenseful thriller slash horror, not just a basic horror. And I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see. He also wrote the book that inspel that inspired Hellraiser, aka the Hellbound Heart, and uh, as well as several other books. He's still an author to this day, and uh, he also wrote Midnight Meat Train. I don't know if he wrote the book that inspired it, or he wrote, or, or just he uh, wrote the script for it. But he definitely wrote something for Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally, as a solid master, I want to, biasism really wants me to throw them in the timeless, but like I don't mm-hmm. really see too many like recreations or different stories like that coming out as often as you would with, you know, vampires or right. anything. So I definitely would say they're a master of what they do. Mm-hmm. And we'll give it another few years and see where we're at from there might be timeless might not be yeah i i have to agree because i mean even though he's not he didn't direct the the one from was it 2022 or 2021 when the new one when the newer one came out i think it was 22 because yeah i think it was last year mm-hmm. came out like during the fall or sometime and i, I oh my god the also the, like another thing with the, the 20 uh the updated remake uh when it came out like last year the the soundtrack is like i'm I'm one for like OSTs, mm-hmm. but there was something about this one that just fucking gripped me. It's on my Spotify playlist. I play it like almost every single day. It is so good. It did. It did have some. It did have some good songs from it too. I do remember that. But even though he uh, he didn't write and direct that one, he did have uh, some type of creative rights. I don't know if he was a producer, executive producer on that or something like that. I think he was too. But um, yeah, he has. Uh, even though he wasn't directing it he did have creative rights as well as, to. yeah and so he he greenlit the one from 2022 i i enjoyed the one from 2022 the same as Miz. and uh for that mr barker i think you belong up here in the masters because you're gonna i think i think like Miz said give it a, give it a few more years and we'll see where where it goes and um Oh, what happened to my voice there? And uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking voice crack! I'm going through puberty again, folks. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Clive Barker will be very influential in a lot of like gore fo- focused horror uh, mm-hmm. in the near future because how groundbreaking what and controversial I may I add were the original oh. <laughs> Hellraisers from 1987 onward, like. <laughs> Like my, my um, still to this day, my favorite line from any horror movie is we have such sights to show you. It's such a classic line. That's that's like their catchphrase. It's so good. I, lo- I love Pinhead. Big, big Pinhead fan. So, um, yeah, I think I think Clyde Barker has earned his place in Masters. We'll, we'll see oh, where yeah. he goes in the next like five, ten years, because I, I think he's I think he's done directing for right now. 
I think he's focusing on his books. I think there's gonna be a big, big comeback. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, this next one actually, Miz has mentioned a few times, but I like it slipped my mind on who the hell he was. Uh, David Bruckner. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So yeah, a little bit of backstory on David. He has he directed and he directed and or co-directed VHS 2012, VHS 94, 99, Southbound. Uh, the Ritual, two episodes of 2019's Creep Show, and the 2022 version of Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And like, as I was just praising for everything on that movie with, you know, Clive, uh, to add on to specifically that Hellraiser is just like how it's shot. Some of the visuals in it are just done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how they do the like a seamless transition of when someone gets sucked into the Cenobites world and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the van is the scene that I w- that always comes to mind. Uh, and it's like my favorite scene in that whole movie. When you mm-hmm. first meet the hell priest, it is just so, so good. I, I, there was not a single thing I can complain from that whole like section right there. Made me love the movie immediately. <laughs> I, I honestly, I have to agree just for a simple fact that I did really, really like the whole, um, the whole like just 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 the visual effects because a lot of them were practical there was very minimal cgi with a lot of their effects and i really enjoyed that mm-hmm. oh yeah no it was it, it's very good because <laughs> me and miz are both suckers for practical effects on cgi and it's just one of those things where we're like oh yeah we gotta especially we, in horror especially exactly exactly because you can't have too much horror you can't have too much gore unless that's like your main focus and you're just overdoing it in that case, like it's like, yeah, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, so for me, I haven't seen all of their works. So part of me right. wants to throw them into becoming masters because yeah. I feel like they're still very, very early on in the career and they have a lot to Im- not really improve on, but I feel like we need to see more from them to like have that solid opinion. Yeah, I, I agree because uh, one thing I didn't mention was that he's only been directing since around about 2007-ish. So mm-hmm. um, with that being said, I think that like, you know, working towards Masters is fair for him because even though he's he's fairly young, he's fairly young in his directorial uh, debut career, whatever you want to call it. I honestly think that uh, give it a little bit more time and he'll definitely be in the master category. I don't really see him becoming a timeless master until way, 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 way much later. Yeah. Well, we need to see a lot more from them, but I, I definitely, they, if they keep the route that they're going, I definitely, they're on their way to becoming to a master for sure. I, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, next up on the list, uh, is one of is, is Miz has mentioned him a lot. And I don't say that as like a, as like a, Oh my God, so much. <laughs> but it's like, uh, but it's it, Miz has brought him up in, in several several conversations throughout our now eleven episodes of this podcast, and uh, that would be Mr. David Cronenberg. For those that <laughs> don't know, Mr. David Cronenberg, he gave us The Fly from 1986, Scanners, The Dead Zone, a very niche movie called The Brood, which if you haven't seen it, I I suggest it. It's a little trippy, it's a little out there, but it's well worth the watch. Um, and sadly, Jason X, which we don't talk about that, <laughs> but, um, not only did he, uh, write and direct Nightbreed, 
but he also starred in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I breed is <laughs> classic. Yeah. It's it's very like uh the brood and uh let's see. The brood and nightbreed, I think, are the two most niche films on this list, except for like a few other ones. But um oh, yeah. scanners. Oh, I do love scanners. You can't go wrong with that. Like uh Cronenberg, like my favorite thing, like I said, I love body horror. Uh, this is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things, and does a fantastic job. I've not seen a, a bad thing. Cronenberg, like The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, is one of my like favorite, like first introduction to people. Like, hey, if you want to see like a good body horror film, like because you see that slow degradation into like this monstrosity and the way it, it oh my god, Cronenberg is just so fucking great with his ideas. <laughs> I can go my- on. My favorite scene from my scene specifically from the fly and oh yeah. And David Cronenberg, very, very body gore, ex, like focused, uh, uh, so horror. Yeah. Um, but my favorite scene from the fly, honestly has to be the scene where his teeth are falling out and he's like sitting there and he's, he's like, waving. Sink. he's yeah. pulling them all out and then he pulls out his fingernails. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh, Oh, I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh God. Why? So it's so good. good. I I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. And if you've never seen it, it's been out since 1986. <laughs> great, great film. Howard Shore did the soundtrack to that too, and I love Howard Was Shore. It? Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. Um, for me, honestly, I'd have to put Cronenberg into. I'd have to either put him in in, in Masters or Timeless Masters. So it's a solid masters for sure. Timeless, I would say in some ways, yes, because I mean, like now we're starting to get to more body horror, like realism, if you mm-hmm. want to be accurate, mm-hmm. like people are pushing, especially with like, you know, uh, hot topics or war films or whatever. They're actually pushing that boundary to that body right. horror size because it's more real horror. So I feel like in that regard, we could kind of say it's the timeless but yeah, that's kind of I, pushing boundaries. Yeah, I, I would I feel. F- I, I I feel like he was very influential into the gore and body horror esque world because a, a lot of his uh, uh, this is you know before CGI was such a big thing right around the time that the thing came around and he mm-hmm. was doing his own thing instead of trying to copy what was coming from the thing and he turned it into you know the fly and made just Jeff Goldblum look horrendous halfway through the film, <laughs> but I loved it. So I, I like it's that slow deterioration from the inside out. That is just makes it like build up that climax and everything. Just like, Oh God, this is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And he's still, he's still, he's still alive from what I know. I could be wrong. Um, so we may. Alive. Okay. Uh, so he is still alive, but yeah, he could, he could easily come back to Hollywood and just make another friggin banger anytime that he wanted because i mean his name well, carries weight yeah well yeah because his kid just made a movie i need to see i have i don't remember what it's called off the top of my head um i, didn't know but I main movies mm-hmm. uh i think it's his son um i heard about it but mm-hmm. like i was like didn't interest me right away then i heard oh yes uh someone told me it was like it was directed by a uh, cronenberg's son i was like Okay, I don't care anything anymore. I need to go see this movie now, <laughs> and I haven't seen it yet. I, I yeah. Uh, let me know. Let me know what it is. I'll watch it too because I, I like David Cronenberg as a director, and I think that if his son is a chop off the old block, I guess you could say 
I could I could see him being as good being as good as his dad, if not better, because his mm-hmm. son will probably have a lot more time to direct and tone that do in. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think Masters is a good fit for him right now. Um, we'll see when they whenever they choose to remake the fly because we know that's coming. We know that's coming. Oh. And I'm nervous as hell if they ever do it. If they do it again with Jeff Goldblum, I will be pissed. Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be interesting. The way to do it, because the actress that he did that with was the same one from Beetlejuice, and she's no longer acting. I didn't know she's not acting anymore. Yeah, no, she uh, she quit acting sometime in either the late nineties or early two thousands. I forgot which, but yeah. Because it was the same, it was the same lady that played uh, Lyd- not Lydia, not Lydia Deeds. Um, what's her name? The wife from um, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't remember. I really, I can Beetlejuice remember is not one of my favorite things. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, I, 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 I like Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. Oh, come on now, you gotta give me something to work with here. No, I know. I just, I know it's Burton. I know. Yeah, uh, Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis. Winona Ryder, fucking yeah, not my cup of tea. That's all. And then, <laughs> the, and then the song at the end of the movie that just gets stuck in your head. Oh yeah, it always does because you can always. see that whole scene playing out. That's why <laughs> it's so good. Um, n- next is a uh, uh, he's 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 our second author on the oh, third author, excuse me, on this list is uh Mr. Dean Koontz. Hmm. Um, little background for those that don't know who Dean Koontz is. He's been writing since around 1966. So right around, see, that'd be 2006. It'd have been 40 years. 2026 will be, or 2016 would have been 50 years. 2026 will be 60 years of author. Uh, he mostly writes in suspense, horror fiction, science fiction, thriller, or fantasy novels. Um, his library of books consists of about 130 plus. I couldn't get a for sure number on that, but all of them were like 130 something, uh, notable works. And I know we've probably seen this on our Netflix timeline. Odd, odd Thomas watchers, Mm -hmm. strangers, phantoms, demon seed, and, uh, his his version of Frankenstein got a uh, live adaptation, which I enjoyed of a miniseries on TNT uh, right around 2012-ish. Um, so, yeah. So, I think Dean Coots is, is definitely a master because, I mean, he he's still being talked about today. He's still mm-hmm. having his works done and everything. Mm-hmm. Um I would definitely throw him in masters because this is also the man that's competing against one of the other authors, like big, big authors in the horror world. <laughs> yeah. On yeah. this list. And to still have a name during all of that is like really, really a testament to something. Honestly, I, I consider him to be one of the, uh, uh, I guess you could say heavy hitting authors out there for hot for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the simple fact that like he's he's been doing it for so long and he's well beloved by the community on this um, if not on the same level darn like really close to that level of of uh someone we'll get to later on in this list um, yeah exactly and that's where it's like exactly what i was trying to say is like to still have a name going against someone like that you know yeah 
because that's that 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 takes that takes some weight behind it because if you say that the one author is beloved by the other author then you have like a very uh i guess you could say heavy debate on both of them because they are both well loved in their respective rivalry yeah very good rivalry but i mean the fact that they both get compared to each other after what 57 years Mm -hmm. is just um definitely definitely a master i could even probably say you could tell call them classic and timeless but again being competed Mm -hmm. to the other one like that's the only reason why (laughs) yeah um uh turn up your game just a little bit yeah i think i think dean coots fits in masters just for the simple fact that he hasn't uh, he's been, while he's been a big inspiration to a lot of horror authors, I don't think he's inspired his own genre just yet. But yeah, I would, I, I get that. I I would like to reread Frankenstein because Frankenstein, uh, his version of Frankenstein is actually really good. It's uh, a to make it modern is that Doctor Frankenstein created his monster way back in like the 1800s, 1600s, something like that and figured out how to become immortal based off of his creature fast forward to the early 90s or early to mid 90s or early to mid 2000s i think it was early to mid 90s and um the monster is now trying to find dr frankenstein the original monster after he's become this world-renowned doctor that's like the like the he calls himself the descendant of the original dr frankenstein but it's actually the original dr frankenstein just throughout history and he's made an entire race of like superhumans based off of genetics research and stuff like that and he has the cure to all known diseases he's immortal it, it's a good book it really is there's five or six um in the anthology of it, I think. And I've only read up to book four, three or four in it. And um, it's just, it's just a good read. And then of course there's a mini series. If you can actually see it from TNT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think Dean Koontz is a good, is good in masters. Oh yeah. Uh, next up is this one for me, honestly is a hit or miss. And I don't say that, um to be disrespectful or say that what he did was diminished uh but edgar Allan poe because i like some of his works but not all of them like which um, again i i understand that <laughs> for me uh I mean, my my favorites from him are the pit and the pendulum telltale heart and the raven of course you know stereotypical castle fantastic like that's that's still probably my favorite um for me he's timeless and the reason why is because like everyone always has the gothic look from quoting like back to like poe and everything like that you know how dark and twisted demented i mean you got like vincent price who's still accredited like you did accredit like a lot of their Mm -hmm. like favorites is like based off of his works it's very big in like broadway and plays like yeah it's timeless in my opinion. Like, <laughs> like honestly, the only, like, even though I consider him hit, hit or miss, I honestly have to agree because he was the first author to really kind of be gritty in, in the horror aspect of, of his works. 
Because mm-hmm. if you read uh, Twisted, Demented, mm-hmm. pretty much like a very norm thing, like cliche and now in the horror world. And like it's mm-hmm. a lot of it still goes back to his works or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he uh, just that feeling of that horror world. I mean, same with, uh, you know, like H.P. Lovecraft bringing in like that whole Cthulhu and, you know, celestial forces like that. Right. So it's like For- a very big timeless thing. Like I, I consider Poe in that regards because it's still works being made to, to this day and or still like mm-hmm. that feeling of him. Yeah. I, the, and the thing that I consider like hit or miss, the reason, the reason why a lot of his works for me are hit or miss is because of the simple fact that they all follow the same formula. But I yeah. do respect that. He was a very consistent author. All of his, all of his works had a specific formula. You had your main antagonist, you had something that was, or you, sorry, you had your main protagonist, something that was antagonizing them, and then something that caused either A, their downfall, or them to see their life in a whole new light, which I, I respect that. Because um, Pit in the Pendulum ends very grim, Telltale Heart ends very grim. The Raven kind of ends with you kind of being left up to your own interpretation. But, um, I mean, a lot of his works got made into cartoons. Like we had tiny, we had tiny tunes versions of the, of the Ravens. The Simpsons did it in the Treehouse of horror. We had the pit and the pendulum, which came out in 1976. I want to say. It was my husband. Oh, we had the movie, you know, Poe or the Raven actually, I should say, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. was um, John Cusack. Like, yeah he's still being talked about like way after him way after him oh yeah and he i mean he he was he was only 40 40 something 30 30 or 40 something when he when he passed away but i mean his works were so influential that he has a cult classic i were to say you know oh i think he should definitely be in his own class of just had his era or whatever i feel like that would probably cause a lot of people to get very upset with me but I, well, I don't I like all of his works. I do have my respect for him. He doesn't say it's like love him or hate him. Like you can't deny the mm-hmm. uh, the the timeless stamp they have made on the culture. Mm-hmm. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like even though I, like I I've read a lot of his work. I haven't read all of his works because he does have a lot. He has, oh, he uh, has seventy to eighty works. But amongst those, like the most notable ones that like everybody quotes or reads or has read is the Telltale Heart. Fall of the House of Usher, The Pit and the Pendulum, The Black Cat, and he's best known for The Raven, but he's also known as a father of gothic uh, literature. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I, I have to give him his respects and I believe he belongs in the Timeless Masters just for the fact that he's, he was so influential because if you read The Telltale Heart and you actually kind of read in between the lines a little bit, it's dark. It's very mm-hmm. dark and it's very psychological. And I owe the fact that I like psychological stuff, psychological horror and psychological aspects to Mr. Poe. It was oh, loved it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, again, love or hate him. Like you can't deny their works or what they I, brought. I agree. I agree completely. Um, so, yeah, I think he's perfectly fine in Timeless Masters. I have no quarrels with that. Uh, next up, I actually had to do a little bit of research on this guy because I had never I had never come across the name, um, and I, I was familiar with a lot of his works. 
uh, for me, he has some hits, he has some misses, but I'm going to let Miz be the deciding factor on this one, but it's uh, Mr. Fide Alvarez. Um, he uh, wrote slash directed the Chainsaw Massacre from 2022, which I don't, uh, it's not, I don't hide the fact that I don't like Leatherface. He's just not scary to me. I consider him a horror icon, but I just, he's never really been like, mm, to me. Um, he wrote and directed Don't Breathe, both one and two, which I didn't really like those movies for personal reasons. But he did write and direct Evil Dead from 2013, which I loved. And The Girl in the Spiderweb, which was actually pretty good from what I remember. Um, he's been writing, directing since around about 2001. And uh, he's actually currently either writing or helping to write and direct an upcoming alien film called alien Romulus. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So definitely hit or misses for some people. For me, like I, I appreciate everything that I've done. Um, again, I praise 2013's uh, evil dead. I loved how mm -hmm. it stayed true to like the original two but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, more enough modern was done to it and enough fucked up shit was there's so many good like practical effects with that movie everything is just fantastic about it so i, I would definitely put them in the the becoming the masters if they can keep going that way especially it'll heavily rely on this alien That's uh, sequel i guess you can say or prequel depending on how they want to do it um because i, I love sequel what ridley scott was going for with prometheus and covenant i know a lot of people mm -hmm. didn't um, I enjoyed but it, but to kind of like, but to like pick up the mantle for like an alien movie is such a like daunting a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> such a big thing. So I'm, I want them to become. I would love to see them as a masters, but right. it's really going to depend on this. <laughs> I honestly, I, I feel like they are working their way to be there because they are doing very, very good at what they are shooting how they're framing it how they want it uh -huh. out like they, they do a fantastic job with it and the end result you can't deny so good i i agree my my only quarrel is the I, I guess you could say it's more of like a kind of uh i wouldn't even really say a problem that i have with them is the fact that like their level of gore is more body focused because there's a lot of messed up scenes in uh, Evil Dead 2013 and Don't Breathe both one and two. Um, yes. And but that's where I think like pushing that boundary like really sends a message home yeah. or like really is just like dude this is fucked. <laughs> I was getting ready to say that yeah because I was like that. that's what made me didn't don't that's what made me not like Don't Breathe one and two but at the same time it happened for like a split second in evil dead but then it continued to happen like the guy like that poor dude with the glasses oh my god he got so <laughs> fucked up yeah he got so fucked up it, 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 like I, I i respect that and for me it, for me he has some hit or misses because you know texas chainsaw massacre i don't care if they never make another one or not yeah. or, or if they do or don't make another one but you know, I like I respect I respect Leatherface for what he brought to the horror genre. And I'll leave it at that. But Don't Breathe One and Two was kind of a for me. I was on the fence about it, but Evil Dead. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I, I respect that. 
So, yeah, I think working towards Masters, if he does really good on this alien film, he will definitely have a lot more hits than misses for me. Um, but yeah, we'll, see I, that I, we'll push them from like becoming Masters to Masters, depending on how, mm-hmm. again, I'm going to heavily base it off of this, uh, this, this movie. <laughs> so, you, so you hear that, Mr. Alvarez, Mr. Fide Alvarez, you got a lot more weight on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I think, um, I think this is probably going to be a sequel to Covenant because the naming is kind of going in like a biblical sense or a legend sense because Prometheus was a Greek mythological being. I can't I don't remember all of the details of that. So please don't crucify me. And then Covenant was another like legend slash mythical happening in a lot of different folklore. So I think Romulus being another Greek mythological name, I think it's probably going to be a sequel to either Prometheus or Covenant, depending on how Mr. Fide uh, works this. I hope it's a continuation off of Covenant, personally. Yeah. I would love to see more of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, know, I know why people didn't enjoy it. it just upsets me. Yeah, I can, I can understand why they didn't enjoy it. I just, I enjoyed it. And that, that's what matters to me, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, next up, you've heard us say his name before, and we've talked about him a lot throughout. I think (laughs) probably about three fourths, if not more of the episodes on this podcast (laughs) of uh, Mr. George A. Romero, a.k.a. the father of zombie films and even been quoted as uh, in some researches and uh, what's it called? Interviews as a horror icon. Pretty much if it has of the dead in the title, it was either written by him, directed by him, inspired by him, had some form of creative oversight from him. And uh, yeah, he's been directing since night or he's, he started directing 1968 and stopped in 2017 uh, shortly before he passed away. And then um, his living dead that? films quote unquote, or held is like groundbreaking because he gave us like the first instance of zombies ever seen on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, that's timeless. I mean, I mean, thankfully, we stopped doing zombies for a while, but like mm-hmm. it, the, you can't like deny the cultural impact with comics, video games, movies. I don't know how many different types of like variations you can do of like a zombie infestation showing a post apocalyptic world that way. Like mm-hmm. it is that's timeless like you can just see it everywhere <laughs> there's no like, denying I, yeah i agree because without romero we wouldn't have zombie inspired films such as uh 28 days and 28 weeks later and then have another one uh what was the, what the not the happening not the ha- the crazies both the of those were, were were zombie inspired films not zombie films yeah i was gonna say or you can even throw it into like video game worlds with like the last of us like resident evil yeah resident evil yeah all things of this man (laughs) but i would like to know why everybody in all of all of all of zombiedom like movies uh, like movies films or movies tv shows games books none of them have have ever used the term zombie they're all called something different and zombie zombie culture is just devoid in all of those worlds like (laughs) come on it's great but love him 
for me, I have to say timeless master. Oh yeah, no, for sure. That is a hundred percent. Cause I mean, it's still going to go on for years mm-hmm. that because of him bringing it to the big screen and seeing everywhere wanting to try and recreate a zombie movie or something like that. And what's uh, funny is while I, was, I, I, I did a little bit of research on, on Mr. Romero, even though I didn't need to, I just did it for like kind of a like background type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though he has passed away as of right now, he still has productions with his name on it coming out. Like he has like some form of create creative oversight from the grave coming out to this day <laughs> with his, with his name, just like produced by inspired by written by something like that. Like he has, I think another four years worth of films that are, that are set to come out between now. And like, I think 2027 was the latest one that I saw or that was projected <laughs> to come out. Excuse me. So I mean, you if you love zombies, you gotta love you gotta love friggin' Romero, like zombie yeah, video you know, games. You know it all. Yeah, it's just all because of him. <laughs> and also on top of that, he looks like some he looks like somebody's cool grandpa. Like he like he knows how to hold a firecracker long enough just to just to throw it and scare somebody so he doesn't blow his fingers off. <laughs> like he just looks like a cute old guy. It's like it's like to think that that guy was like, hey, what if the dead came back to life? We could make that scary. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I fully respect George Romero for everything that he did and is currently doing from beyond the grave because, uh, you know, hey, he became a zombie himself. Like who, who can mm-hmm. produce a film after they've passed away besides like someone that has inspired so much in the horror industry? Oh, yeah, well, for sure. I love it. <laughs> Um, next up, I had not heard about this author until I did some research on her because she kept popping up when I would ask Chad GPT to give me a horror author. She kept coming up on, on about, I'd say probably about 85% of the lists was, uh, Jillian Flynn. Um, she made some, I think, I think you've either talked about it or I've talked about it. I can't remember which, but, um, a little bit of background on, on her. She did 15 years of writing as a journalist or like MSNBC, NBC, stuff like that uh, before becoming an author and then started writing books around about 2006. And uh, she wrote Sharp Objects, Dark Places, Gone Girl and The Grown Up, um, as well as a comic book with Dark Horse Comics back in 2015 called Masks. And we both know how dark and gritty Dark Horse can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also has an HBO adaptation of Sharp Objects and Gone Girl that became a movie right around 2014. And they're like she's very uh, thriller mystery kind of kind of horror focused. Yeah, because the one I'm basing it all off of is a uh, Gone Girl. I mm-hmm. did not know that was her. Uh, I didn't either. <laughs> I felt them, I felt like a lot of it was too predictable in some spots. That was just me personally. Um, but it, I did still enjoy the the dance. It was like the back mm-hmm. and forth, or did he, did he not? What happened? The how crazy is this person? <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's so good in that way. Mm-hmm. But just too predictable was all. But I, I think it's 
a very very good one i would love to see more of course i'll have to watch those shows or her show and read more of her books uh but mm-hmm. i feel like if they keep kind of going that way it could be definitely a becoming to masters but i like i said i'm basing off the only one that i know of and it's already like a hit or miss i can see how it goes yeah i honestly uh i have to agree because i i liked parts of gone girl but like you said a lot of it was predictable so it was kind of like but i do like the fact that that you know her works like being out less than 10 years already inspired hbo movies or adaptations Mm -hmm. of sharp objects which i haven't seen i feel like i'm doing myself an injustice there but yeah i could i could definitely see hit or miss because if she can make something like gone girl make it less predictable keep the writing the same i thought the writing was fine oh yeah writing was fine I, I could see I could see her working on becoming a master's because she's only been writing for right around um, let's see 2006 2016 that's 10 so 2026 will be 20 years so she's just at 17 right now so very early career very early very especially for an author because like as you can see, authors can go on for ages. As you, as we've already demonstrated, you got Bram Stoker, who's been going on now for close to two hundred and twenty something years. If I did the math correctly, <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. And then you got Edgar Allan Poe, who's been going strong for close to friggin' because what he passed away in eighteen hundred something, I think like eighteen forty five ish. Something like that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. So he's been he's been going strong for, you know, a hundred plus years. And, you know, it's possible. It's very possible. I could see her <laughs> improving on her on her story and, yeah, and making well, making too. better stuff. But yeah, I didn't. I that's that's I I, I completely agree with the hit or miss because I, I I don't I don't know enough about her. I've only read and seen Gone Girl like Miz. Um, yeah, I, I can't base it all off of one. <laughs> yeah, same. So I, I kind of feel if if our if you feel like our criticism is biased on any of these people, please let us know. Um, or I'll speak my biasism, like I said, heavily, <laughs> at, at least being honest that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I mean, you got to speak your true self. That's the that's the best form of flattery, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is a little known uh, writer director. Uh, creator, uh, scary storyteller, uh, Mr. Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're unfamiliar with him, he wrote, he wrote, co-wrote, or directed Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I know he directed that one. Uh, he wrote a show on Netflix called Cabinet of Curiosities. That show for me has some hit or misses, but overall I like it. Uh, Nightmare Alley, which is a thriller. I don't know when that one came out. The Strain on very, FX. It, it was uh, it was a noir like thriller. It was really really good. I loved it. I'm gonna have to check it out. Is it a movie or a show? It's a movie. It's a, it's movie. a movie. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. Nightmare Alley. That sounds good. Um, I love it. Hmm, I'm gonna have to check it out. I like I like some noir. I like some noir. Um, he also uh wrote and co-wrote or co co-wrote excuse me and directed the strain on fx which mm, i liked 
overall? I didn't watch it. I heard mixed things about it, but yeah. I did want to give it a chance because it's Del Toro. Yeah, it it had it had some really good storytelling as well as effects and I enjoyed that aspect of it, but there was some parts where I felt uh, it could have had more. You know, it was one of those where I was like, eh, uh, eh, eh. but um let's see. We're, uh, Crimson Peak back in 2015. Mm-hmm, which is fantastic it is a very good goth romantic is so good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for for me he's a master 100 percent. yeah like there, there's no question about it and i mean a lot i mean hell with hellboy the golden army like it, mm-hmm. it's visuals the way he comes up with these like best ways to show off the practical effects or the mm-hmm what he's trying to show in front of you. Like it's just gorgeous. Pan's Labyrinth is also still one of my favorites. There's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. much like good with that. Like, yeah, no, he's a master for sure. Oh, hands I, down. I would want to throw them in, uh, you no know, timeless, but they've inspired a lot, but yeah. not enough. I feel not, not there just yet. <laughs> I feel like, um, he has, I feel like he has revolutionized the practical effects game as a whole. Just for the simple oh, yeah. fact that, you know, up until like he came on the scene back in, uh, well, he's been around the film industry since right around 1985, but mm-hmm. he's really been directing since like the early, early 90s because he's got Devil's Backbone, Hellboy 1 and 2, Pan's Labyrinth, Mimic 1 and 2, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, like, um, He's been he's been writing and directing for a long time, but I feel like his practical effects have made people be like, hey, you know what? CGI is cool when it needs to be used, but I want to see a man in a suit again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like he, I feel like he brought that back into the into the the cool aspect of it and being like, hey, you know, what if we put some makeup on a person that can be pretty scary, you know? Oh yeah, I mean specifically from Pan's Labyrinth, uh, mm-hmm. the fucking uh, eyeless man. Like yeah. the whole scene was like, holy fuck! <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Hellboy when he's met with death, that whole yep. scene is just very daunting. It's so good. Yeah, I like. I don't. I wish we would have gotten the 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 coveted Hellboy three with Ron Perlman, but uh, we got the what was it twenty nineteen twenty twenty version i heard mixed things about that i hadn't seen it yet i still need to see it i liked it just for the simple fact that they brought together and this isn't del toro had nothing to do with this hellboy i wish that he had um but i liked what they did with it they came they kept the same practical effects they kept you know cgi to minimum use but um i enjoyed it just for the simple fact that they combined two of uh, Hellboy's stories, which was uh, blood and sorcery. I don't know. Um, the one about the sword, and then the one about him denying being the key to open the gates to hell. Those two stories, I uh, really enjoyed reading those as a kid, and then um, seeing it done in a live adaptation. Because you, because the first two Hellboys aren't based off of any of the original. Uh, comic books they're completely uh, del toro made and i enjoy that but seeing 
two live versions of two comic books I loved as a kid come to life was I loved it just lost. but I understand why some people didn't like it. it it was good it was good for what it was I enjoyed it but uh for del Toro yeah I can see him being a timeless master very very soon like not oh, yeah, even for sure. not even within the next 10 years probably maybe five max <laughs> yeah I, I know he's got works going on right now mm-hmm. he has a he has a uh, he actually has an up-and-coming frankenstein movie in the works i didn't see a release date on that yet so probably early 2025 late 2024 ish maybe knowing del toro it might come out 2026 yeah, who knows it's here when it's here mm-hmm. i'm excited though and that's one thing I love about Del Toro. He never rushes any of his works. None of them. Mm-hmm. He takes his time. He takes his sweet ass time with it. And I love that. Um, next up is a little no, is a little author known as H.G. Wells. Mm, Wells. He uh, started writing about 1895. He wrote The War of the Worlds, The Time Machine, and the island of Dr. Monroe, which I did not know was him. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yep. No, for me, that's 100% a classic. Timeless. Mm. Can't, can't touch. Like, Wells' work is so influential. Oh. I have to agree. Just he's, 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 he's a very influential, timeless master, in my personal opinion. Because how many War of the Worlds have we had? We had the one in the 60s, the one in the 90s, and then the one in the 2000s. Yeah. We had several variations of it um and that whole thing like scared the whole shit out of everybody because this is radio there was no real way to tell everybody all this drastic news and them just to read that out on the radio and having towns freak the fuck out was mm-hmm. fantastic it was oh and alien invasion movies are always a big thing too with a lot of people i mean you have independence yeah. day you have um a, a quiet place you have signs mm-hmm. There's so many. It's all because of like this. <laughs> I, I think he was very influential in, in, in the science fiction genre because he because all all three of his most notable books, which is War of the Worlds, Time Machine and Island of Dr. Monroe, all got turned into movies. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen the Time Machine from I think it was like 2004. I liked it. It was actually a pretty good movie. It's one of my favorite science fiction movies. And it's like it's because of this guy that was like hey what if we could go back in time or hey what if there was something in outer space or hey what if there was an island of a guy that was turning people into animals because he was just some crazy scientist and wanted to see what he could do and you're like oh <laughs> yeah no timeless timeless mm-hmm. a lot of the works are still being made today because I mean, you can even say like human centipede's kind of a version of that you know you know like, fair it, very influential very influential very uh, yeah i you know i didn't think about i did not think about the human centipede <laughs> um but i d- also didn't know this about hg Wells. i knew who hg wells was but i didn't know he wrote these books um aside from war of the worlds and i, I, I kind of knew i kind of knew he was the author of that one because i seen two different versions of the war of the Worlds. one was his and another was his like war of the worlds the day after or something like that and that was written long after he had passed away um and it was kind of like how the humans fixed everything after they defeated the aliens um 
but he was H.G. Wells was nominated for a Nobel Prize in literature four times. <laughs> that, I, like, I'm sorry, that's kind of influential if you ask me. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like, like, give that man an award for what? Writing damn good books. <laughs> like, Mr. H.G. Wells, thank you for your influence on the sci-fi genre because you have made, you have allowed some of my favorite uh, science fiction thriller horror movies to come about because you were like, hey, oh, yeah. what's up there? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You've got another thing to freak out about. <laughs> yeah. Like existential dread wasn't enough. You had to give me visitors from beyond the stars too. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this next one, I loved him. I love him and I hate him at the same time. (laughs) Mr. Hideo Nakata. He's been directing since 1992. He directed the ring one and two in both the Japanese and English. Sadako, which is kind of like ring three. Um, but with YouTube, it's like, I I, like, I couldn't get a real readout of the movie, but it was about the little girl that fell in the well, somehow made her way onto the internet. And now her videos like are just going viral. And every time someone watches them, the whole seven days happens. And I was like, okay, this is weird. I might watch it. Um, dark water, which I love that movie, uh, both Japanese and English versions. Uh, he he directed and uh, yeah, he directed both of those uh, Death Note L changing the world, the live adaptation, uh, a movie called Ghost Theater, The Complex, Don't Look Up and Chat Room from 2010, back when those were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not only did he direct both uh, Don't Look Up and Dark Water, but he wrote them as well. So. There. Um, <clears throat> I, I honestly see them being uh, a solid becoming master or they could definitely be in the master because there's a very big influence from a lot of his works already um, I haven't fair. seen a majority of his stuff but what I have seen I've really appreciated yeah I would have to put him in the master category just for the simple fact that like the ring in the early 2000s was fucking everywhere. Everybody was talking no, about yeah, it. Everybody was making true. jokes. And um, I mean, it's a scary movie. That's how you know you've made it big. Yeah. <laughs> As a like, culture icon. <laughs> same with H.G. Wells. Like his book, The War of the Worlds, that got turned into a movie featuring Tom Cruise was then featured in a very funny version of scary movie where they had to do the exact same thing. But yeah, it's fucking- <laughs> <laughs> but Mr. Nakata, I gotta give you your due respect and place you in the masters just for the simple fact that because of you, I actually got to play some really fun pranks on on some good friends of mine as well as like some ex girlfriends because <laughs> I legit this this is back when cell phones first started oh you know first started being a thing that everybody had you either had the Nokia brick phone that never fucking died or you had the little flip phones. <laughs> Oh my but, god, and having a flip phone was high end. Yeah. I had the razor at the time and I was watching the ring one with oh god, an ex-girlfriend razor. of mine from middle school and her friends. And I went into the other room to make some popcorn and I star sixty seven the house phone right at the scene where she picks up the phone and it goes seven days and then hung up 
And I did that to her and it scared the ever loving shit out of her. Like her and her friends are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because, you know, back in the day, you could star 67 because caller ID was just becoming a thing. And if you star 67, it hid your number and your name and then you could. Yeah. I don't know if that still works or not. I haven't done it in a while, so I don't know. It's been 15 plus years since I've done a prank call. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Being yeah, for me. Oh, my God. oh no, that's fair. That's fair. I can I can see where you're coming from with that one. Because like, I mean, I mean, how many how many memes, how many jokes, how many things did he inspire other than like those three scary movies or four scary movies, excuse me, that are, you know, well loved by the world and live adaptation of Death Note. He, he, he tried his best with that. He did. I enjoyed it. Some things could have been better, but I enjoyed it. Fair enough. No, I, I see where you're coming from, though. I could see them in the Masters for sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we'll see him in the Timeless Masters sometime in the future. I, I, I don't want to put a direct date on that, but I'm going to have to put him behind. Definitely, definitely behind Guillermo. Okay. Guillermo, okay. excuse me. I always mess up his name. Two, L, <laughs> two L's in Spanish make a Y, Jimmy. You know this. <laughs> but um this next director i know ms recognizes the face and uh that's a mr james wan <laughs> directed james wan. and <laughs> who <laughs> i don't know that guy i don't know that guy he's been directing since 2000 he directed and wrote Dead Silence, Insidious 1 and 2, The Conjuring 1 and 2, Malignant. Uh, let's see. He also produced Saw 2 through 6, Spiral, Jigsaw, and uh, Saw 3D, as well as Annabelle 1, 2, and 3, The Nun, Malignant, I Don't Know What You Did Last Summer, the TV series, and the new movie Megan, which I, I liked it. I'm not going to say I it was know, a bad movie. It. So... Obviously, heavy biasism on that because of, mm-hmm. of the main reason is Saw. Like Saw is such a big influence that already uh, mm-hmm. that, like, it spawns so many like different like like torture porn uh, horror movies, and I some agree. have been great. I mean, we got like Hostel out of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's human uh, centipede, human centipede. Like, there's so many like just fucked up situations now because of him, yeah. and it's great. Uh, and then like with Malignant, uh, or as some of the other ones that aren't like true, I mean, they're horror, but they're not like true horror to his normal style that everyone's used to, uh, right. are such left field movies or they're so good though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. But, but like with, um, oh my God, I just drew a huge blank, but like dead silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I absolutely loved the film. I know it wasn't I everybody's too. cup of tea, but like everything I've seen from him, I've absolutely loved. So he's a hundred percent master for me, but I also want to throw him in like timeless because he's inspired so much change when it comes to that, like style. Cause That's we had a, a lot of, um, I mean, hell even like with like TV shows are trying to push that boundary and like inspired from saw. Yeah. Yeah. True. For me, so, I would say he's definitely a master. Just for the simple fact that, like, uh, yes, he has he has inspired a lot of work in uh, the horror world, but I don't think he's quite timeless yet. He's he's getting there. He's very close. 
he is definitely very, very close for me. This, like, I, I want to throw him in timeless masters just for the fact that like dead silence traumatized me as a, as a teenager. Cause I was already <laughs> scared of dolls making puppets in a horror movie about that. Just raise the bar that much more. And I'm just like, Oh God, but it's so good. I like, I don't know for me, honestly, now that I think about it, it's actually kind of hard. I don't, I don't know if I want to put him. I don't know if I want to say timeless master or master for sure. Master It's he's for sure. a Master. Uh, Like I said, I want to push him in timeless. I really do. But I want to see more of what he has to do because I mean, the way he did the conjuring is one of my favorites. I love how well he shot that movie. It came out so beautiful. (laughs) I have to agree. I'm actually going to put him right in front of Guillermo just for the simple fact that like I, I, well, I, I do respect Guillermo. I love James Wan films just for the simple fact that to me, he hasn't done any bad ones. Now I know a lot of people aren't going to agree and that's fine, but to me, he hasn't done any bad scary movies, anything that he's written, produced, directed have all been like majorly influential. Oh yeah. And I I gotta, I gotta give respect to Mr. James Juan. (laughs) Cause I, I, I love, I love a lot of his movies. Cause um, let's see, what was the other one? What was the other one? Well, while me and Ms. Both are kind of like everything after like saw three is kind of like, eh, spiral one, three or four are the best ones. I love spiral. Spiral was, I was good. really surprised with it. I was really surprised. I love, see, that's one of the things, like I said, when we did the, which uh, universe would you want to live in? That's why I said the saw. Cause I would love to see more, pseudo killers like that seeing like where mm-hmm. they would spawn what would happen like seeing different pois from like all over the place inspired by kramer like i think it would be fantastic yeah. so yeah that's why for me like i always want to push him in the timeless but i want to see what more comes out first yeah because he's still he's still directing uh movies because of him like i i, I went and seen saw 3d in 3d and it was actually very like uh, <laughs> and I enjoyed it for what it was. It was good. <laughs> but um for uh what was I gonna say? For in sit for uh for the conjuring and insidious, like he's given us so many different horror icons, the crooked man, the nun, Annabelle, the lipstick demon, the what was the what was the name of the the bride? Oh, the woman in black. Yeah, the woman in black. Like, like all of those, like all of those scenes, like especially the lipstick demon scene that scared the absolute crap out of me. I can't remember her name. I think it was, I don't remember anywho, but yeah, I know which one yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, he's, he's given us a lot. I mean, hell, even with Malignant, uh, the, the gymnastics that movie did, it was, I think, fantastic. I enjoyed Malignant. I was, I went in there not expecting a whole lot. Oh, same. But I love the end result because it starts oh, off yeah. like the first half. The movie is one like super suspense and then turns into this weird ass slasher. It's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh my God. And then at the end of it, I was like, okay, that was definitely a movie. And then I seen James Wan was on it and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. <laughs> we saw uh then me and my wife will like look up movies that are coming out soon and so on and so forth so we'll go through it and it's like we'll start like this sounds interesting this sounds interesting and then like if we see a director or a writer or a producer that we know and then we click on it it's like as soon as we saw james wan i was like we're there 
Yep. <laughs> I don't care what, what this movie's about. I need no more information. I'm there. I, I enjoyed Malignant because, like you said, there was just so many mental gymnastics going on in that first part. And then the second part turned into like this crazy slasher. And you're like, oh, oh it's, it's so good. It is so, so good. good. <laughs> I'm actually probably going to watch it again. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely am. I'm going to have a James Wan day. I need a James Wan day because I love all yeah. those films. I do too. Even even though, like you know, with with the saw with the saws after three, for me is kind of like, eh, except for like a few, except for like a few minus spiral three D and six, was it? It was six. One three or no? Excuse me. One three and four. Because me and you both agree on that. Uh, one three and four are the main ones I only defend. I don't like yeah. saw two. That's just me, yeah. though. Uh, I know why people liked it. I just think everyone's really dumb in that fucking film. That's all. Yeah, I think they. I th- I think a lot of people could have done that a lot better. Like the the hand trapped in the box with the razor blades. Like you could have just easily just pushed up the razor blades with one hand instead of sticking both hands in the fucking box. Yeah, no, there's a lot of ways around that one. But yeah, it's stupid stuff like that. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just I I feel like a lot of people could have had more brain cells that weren't competing for third place. In that one, mm-hmm. <laughs> agreed. Uh, um, now for uh, this next author, she for me personally has some hit or misses because she, or not an author, excuse me, director. This next author, she has some hit or misses for me. I would like to see more from her, but she bounces back and forth between TV and movie. It's uh, Jennifer Kent. She directed The Babadook, The Nightingale, and uh, this short film from 2005 called Monsters. Um, and she got her start on this show, which I've seen. I liked. Uh, I don't know if she was a writer, director, what have you, but it was called Murder Call. Um, I don't remember very much from the show, but I do know that I've seen it. So for me, when it comes to her, uh, I think she's definitely on her way to becoming a master because uh Sure. Though I wasn't the biggest fan of the Baba Duke, cultural influences spawned a lot of really good like adaptations, even into like the video game world. I mean, like uh, I feel like you know some of the like poppy play times. I know they're like mm-hmm. reminiscent to like uh, Slenderman and all that, but like that one feels more influential, like being chased by this thing, but it's super like cute and cuddly, or you don't know what it is. Are we friends? Are we not? What's the story? That like mystery feeling, I feel like it's very big impact on a lot of things. So I would That's definitely fair. say she's on her way to becoming to a master. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Well, I don't like I don't like Babadook as a whole. There are aspects of it that I did like and I did want to see um how to put this. I don't want to say do better, but for lack of a better word, do better. I, I, I did. I did enjoy what it brought to the table because it was very like I'm again, I'm a sucker for psychological. So I think working towards master is 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 fair for her. Just for the simple fact that, like, I think she's got more coming out. I didn't see anything with her name on it recently. So, you know. She's, yeah, I, hope, I hope we get more from her. I I like her visions that she does, and I like how she frames things. So like, yeah. I'm definitely seeing her become a master. I just want to see more from her. Yeah, that's definitely fair because I like the the Nightingale night the Nightingale. I haven't seen Monsters, the short film. I also haven't seen Murder Call. I I did see and I did like, but again, I don't know what type of creative aspect she had on that show. 
So mm-hmm. I can't really say that was more of a hit or miss, but basing it off of the only one that I is fresh in my memory that I can remember hit for hit was would be the Babadook. And I just kind of, uh, there, there's some aspects of it that I liked. And then there's some things of it that I didn't like, like how did the Babadook go from this crazy, scary creature to a giant cockroach just living on their wall and, and the family being like, we got a roommate. <laughs> like, like I'm like wait wait, 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 wait. I I like I said it wasn't like my favorite but I enjoyed it mm-hmm. I enjoyed the ride I got out of it so I can definitely see her becoming a master especially yeah uh, like mostly like I said like how she shoots things and how she does it and is so good to me like that's what yeah. I like about her her eye specifically yeah and also on top of that because of her we also have the why can't you be normal insert something that is never normal <laughs> screaming yeah <laughs> you're like oh and that joke has been used a lot on the marine corps me being a marine i find it funny every damn time <laughs> um next up is someone that has been killed a lot in uh death hoaxes celebrity death hoaxes i think probably <laughs> like 10 in the last like 15 years <laughs> mr john carpenter this would have been John Carpenter's like 70 something birthday. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still alive. <laughs> Sometimes I can almost hear his voice. <laughs> so have heavy bias. He's timeless to me. I mean, my favorite mood from him is always going to be the thing, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's, he's got, he's brought like different adaptations to like either cult classics, like vampires and, mm-hmm. or like just done so many great works. Like I fucking love John Carpenter. Uh, fun fact for those that don't know who Mr. John Carpenter is, you have, if you're a horror fan, I know you've seen at least one of his works, if not a lot on this list that I'm about to list off. You have, he has written, co-written and or directed or co-directed every single Halloween film ever made it. Even, even the bad ones. They live 1988. They still live in 2017, which I didn't know he had his hand in that. Uh, he directed, he wrote and directed both of those. The Fog in 1980 and 2005. I didn't know that was both him. I thought that was two separate people, but fun fact. <laughs> Escape from LA, Ghost of Mars, which I love that movie. It's very like I, Mad Max in space. Ooh. I love that movie. It's so good. It's so cheesy, but it's so good. It's one of my favorite films. It, it's 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 really good. Of course, The Thing can't go without mentioning that. 1982, 1998's John Carpenter's, which is has his name on it. Don't know how you can miss that. Vampires, 1983, Christine, and uh, Village of the Dam, as well as Big Trouble in Little China, which I did not know was John Carpenter. I did not no, know I he did that. I did Escape from LA. I, I didn't on. know he did Escape from LA or Big Trouble in Little China. The other ones I knew he did. I, I've seen those. But I have to I have to say, you know, he he's been he's he's also starred in, directed, and helped write like horror movie documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh oh yeah. No, he's timeless. Um you can't go wrong. And again, oh yeah, no. Big time you timeless. Kinda have to owe him for the the, the slasher style of films because of yes. Halloween. Yes. Also a uh, fun fact, I did not know this until I started doing uh research on him. But uh Mr. Carpenter not only is a writer, 
screenplay artist, director, and just all around filmography specialist. He's also a composer and musical and, and musician. I did not mm-hmm. know that. He composed the original Michael Myers theme, which has become an icon across all horror genres. Like as soon as like yeah. anybody that's ever seen a scary movie with John Carpenter's name on it, uh, specifically Halloween, they hear that sound. They're like, <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. So no. I, 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 I have to. I have to I have to give him so so much friggin so much friggin due respect on his compositions and i have to honestly place him right up here with romero because these two icons just they gave us so much in just the short time that they were here and uh when john carpenter comes back from the grave again (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say he he, i was like wait we just said he's not dead (laughs) I know. I just wanted to be a part of the hoax. <laughs> I want to participate too, Dad. <laughs> but yeah, he's if he sees this video and he comments on it, I I will I will literally die. Like you know, oh, I, I don't know what I do. I I, I would I, I would know. probably uh, that would be the highlight of my life is just to either meet him, get a kudos from him. Or so much as just be in the same room as him. He's one of my favorite, 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 favorite horror director, writers, composers, all time. Oh yeah, no, agreed, one hundred percent. Next, next up, Mrs. Mrs. mentioned him before, and I didn't have a face to the name, so my my mind just friggin' data dumped for me. He is a hit or miss type of type of director i love the guy i love his works but some of them i kind of like "Mm." and that's john fawcett um for him he directed and co-wrote ginger snaps uh directed orphan black which i have not seen uh directed bitten a tv series which i loved i loved both ginger snaps and bitten lost girl and I regret to say one episode of Blade, the TV series from 2006. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very, very hit or miss for me as well. Like, yeah, he, he's got things going for him. But like, um, I think like the majority are more like just meh. Yeah. Like, toss over, pass over, you know, like it's whatever. <laughs> like, I think he I think he where he really shines is in anything that has to do with werewolves or, 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 or like lycanthropy in general. That's where he really shines. Anything outside of that is kind of like a 50, 50 shot for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to see more to have like a bigger opinion, but as of right mm-hmm. now, it's very hit or miss. Yeah. Cause I, cause I've heard mixed things about orphan and black. I seen, I watched Blade from 2006. Regrettably, it, you're not missing much. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's something that happened. I'll say that. And I've seen Lost Girl. Those the, the, like based off of those three, actually based off of those two, the two that I have seen, which is Lost Girl and Blade from 2006. Uh, miss both of those are misses. Ginger Snaps, love Ginger Snaps, and Bitten. I loved Bitten. That was a good TV show. I wish I had gotten more of it. But, um, yeah, I think it, I think it got canceled or it didn't get renewed or whatever the case is. So Mr. John Fawcett, I, I like you're very hit or miss, but what you do, uh, but what he does, he does well. I, I have to, I have to get, I have to give him kudos on that. Yeah, fair, fair. 
because uh, I mean, Ginger Snaps was iconic in my opinion for like the werewolf genre of horror because it wasn't very much visual as it was like story oriented and it was kind of like it's fair fair but um yeah in order for me to give him a higher ranking i'd 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 agree with miz i'd have to see more from him because while i do love two of his hits he's got a lot of misses with me Do better, Mr. Land, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fawcett. <laughs> Next up is the only one on this list that is a primarily comedy director. And I don't know if he's alive or, or if he's passed on. I think he's still alive. Is uh, Mr. John Landis. If, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. On the face. Yeah, it. It did. It did on me too. Uh, background on Mr. John Landis. He started directing right around 1973. Most of his comedy movies have John Belushi in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Animal House, Blues Brothers, those types of movies. I love those movies. That doesn't sound familiar. Okay, okay. He directed uh, uh, Innocent Blood, Twilight Zone, the movie, Fear itself, and a little werewolf movie called uh, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, not to recognize the name because I haven't seen it recently. But yeah, no, that that's right there is like my always staple for werewolf movies. So for yeah. me, it's always going to be a master for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because he's the only person on this entire list that is a comedy centered like director. director. But he all of his all of his like horror movies have like that element of like some type of black Shock comedy. And and, yeah, and, yeah, and very like just hit like it's not even like a build up in some senses sometimes it's just thrown in there it's so good but yeah i just i love i love jack's line in that in american werewolf in london you killed me man you fucking killed me <laughs> that, but yeah oh yeah i'm starting to turn you into cheeseburger back <laughs> Or Jess, my bed. <laughs> it's so good it's, it's so good for, again for me definitely a master for sure easy easy master everything they've done for me like that i've seen it's been super good whether it's comedy or especially in their horror world too it just never mm-hmm. missed to me he's and it, he's he's the only director in this entire list that has crossed multiple genres because not only has he done comedy and horror he's also done like I think a few. I think he's also done like a few like uh feel feel good movies like Love and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to say chick flick because that, that that just seems cliche to say to me because mm-hmm. you know I like I, I like a good I like a good uh I like I like Princess Di- or uh, Princess Bride. And that's supposedly oh, is a chick flick, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things to be considered that, but it, yeah, I know what you mean. Don't worry. Yeah, so John Landis, even though you've only done a very few uh, horror movies, you've done them very well. I love, I've oh, seen yeah. the Twilight Zone movies so many times. Oh, yeah, it is good. It's so good. So good. There's something on the wing, man. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see anything. Uh, it's just sitting right there. <laughs> but um, next up is a very, I, I think, I like, I, Everything that this director has done, even though he's only been directing since right around 2017, but he's been writing 
uh, for shows, movies, and stuff like that since right around 2003 is uh, Jordan Peele. And so far, he has not had one single miss on any of his horror movies. So I definitely will put him in the Masters because he has a very good like background. He's got a lot of stuff that goes very, very well. His movies that he's done, because everyone was very concerned about him being primarily uh, comedy and then going to like the horror, especially with um, us, the very first film mm-hmm. that everyone was able to see this. It had that very real feel for one. It had mm-hmm. a very, very good pacing. Like just the way he shoots things. I feel like um, that one was a little bit like different from, uh, Oh my God, get out. Like get out's the first one that anyone like really heard of this. That's the one I was yep. trying to remember. So right? it was get out. Um, it's very real. Same, I guess you could say the same with us as well in some senses, but um, yeah, just everything he does is really, really good. Uh, him being more oriented, horror oriented now is like really making me excited because I like because he's not a typical storyteller. Yeah, it, it's not just like a B. It's very different, like especially with uh, his newest one. Nope. Like I yep. absolutely loved how oh, all over the place it was. <laughs> And it was, so it was very old, like, and I just no i just i think he's a master for sure yeah he's i honestly see a very good job at it very and what i find very funny is the fact that like how much criticism he received on get out when he was making his directorial debut back in 2017 they're like mm-hmm. oh how is a horror how or how is a how is a comedian going to be able to write horror like like everyone was speculating on what the film was going to be and all that stuff. And then as soon as the critics got their hands on it, they were ready to tear it apart. And everybody was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and and I, I know Jordan Peele was just like sitting there like, hm, told you. <laughs> Social commentary. Yeah. Cause he, uh, he, uh, Jordan Peele has never directed. Uh, he had he, from what, from my, from what my research showed, he had never directed prior to 2017, but he had been writing for like Mad TV, his his show Key and Peel, uh, since around about 2003. Uh, that's how he got to start on Mad TV was as one of their uh, writers for uh, their their um, sticks, their their comedy, all that stuff. So he was um, he's been writing for quite some time, but with uh, Get Out, Us, Nope. And and the fact that he wrote Candyman from 2021, like I've mm-hmm. loved all of yeah. them so far. Yeah, no, I was really impressed with uh, the remake of Candyman. I really liked mm-hmm. it. I was I was skeptical because I like with me with me personally, it's always like, oh, they're they're doing a remake of one of my favorite horror movies. But at the same time, I wanted to see his spin on it because as soon as I seen that his name was on it, all skepticism yeah, went right out the window. Like- yeah, same. As soon as I saw his name was attached to it, I was like, okay, no, never mind. I'm, I'm fine. I want to see how he's going to do this now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like the fact that he didn't so much reboot it as wrote it in his style. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very, retelling. like yeah. a very good retelling. Yeah, I was going to say it was, it, it paid respect to the old and then gave us the new, which I love the fact that they reused the original, the original actor from Candyman. Tony Todd. I love yeah, Tony Todd. Icon. He he like he did good in that movie. Like he did good in all the Candyman movies. But that one, I feel like we got to see him 
more in his element because his voice is iconic. His acting is always on point because he was what people speculated to be death in the Final Destination franchise whenever he made an appearance. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that like even when he's just in in the new Candyman, like when as he's talking, like his his presence is not only demanding, but it's like instantly like your mind is taken away from everything else that's going on and focus in on what he's doing. And you're like, yeah, it's oh. just, it's super good. I loved it. I did too. I, I, I think it's funny how, how much criticism he received for like the fact that he was like, Hey, I'm directing a scary movie. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah. Sure. Was very, how is he, how is he going to be in this world? And I'm, I'm enjoying his ride that he's doing. I, <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely a master. He hasn't done anything bad so far. I think he's doing a great job. Um, also, so, something that I found out while I was also doing uh, research on, on Jordan Peele, not that I needed to do very much. Again, this is one of the directors. I only did uh, like a background kind of uh, synapsis on, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he co-wrote a show called Wendell and Wild, which has him and uh, let's see. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's key of the key and peel group. Mm-hmm. I can never remember his first name, but him and Jordan play as either vampires or demons in like a, in like their own thing, which I, I enjoyed. And then on top of that, even though he's only put out, let's see, get out us. Nope. As his, uh, as his, as his directorial debut slash, you know, writing and all that fun stuff for the horror world. With those three movies, he's won three Academy or with the movies that he's put out, including Candyman, he has won three uh, Academy Awards for them or he's won Mm -hmm. Academy Awards for just those three movies. So I think he's made a big splash in a very short amount of time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's already done a lot and I can't wait to see what else he brings. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And I also love the fact that he uh, he's 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 becoming one of my favorite psychological uh, Mm -hmm. horror directors, because a lot of his movies deal with psychological aspect of stuff that he directs. And I love that. I'm just like, I I like how he makes you think, you know, (laughs) exactly. And I'm just like, wow, you know what? You know, I'm just, you know, Jordan Peele. (laughs) Kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. I think he's going to be very influential and in, in, uh, not that he's not already, but I think he's going to be influential on the future of horror in a very, very short amount of time. Oh yeah. I agree with I, that. I, I'm just, I'm excited to see. I, I, I love what he's done. I'm excited to see what he's got going on next. And it's just like, give me more. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I agree. Um, Not to throw anyone for a loop, but uh, this director Miz, I know, I know he'll, he'll, he may recognize the name. He may not, but I know he's seen some of her works. Uh, a Miss Karen Kusama. Name's not ringing a bell off the top of my head. What does she do? Um, she started directing right around 2000 ish. Um, from what I can tell, she's bound, she, she's gone from directing in movies and currently directing in TV shows, but she directed, uh, Jennifer's body, the invitation, a movie she uh, wrote and directed uh, this movie called XX. It's a movie about four short horror films, all written by women. I enjoyed that one. Uh, the Outsider and a TV show called Yellow Jackets or The Yellow Jackets. 
Got it. And I see her becoming a master. I like the works I have Mm -hmm. seen from her. I Mm -hmm. really feel she's got something going for her. I want to see more. um, I would like to see a couple more TV shows and I would like to see at least a couple more movies uh, done. And then mm-hmm. I can like have that like solid opinion if she needs more work or she'll definitely be in a master. But the way she's going, she's doing a very, very good job. I agree. Um, I uh, I don't know which one of the films in XX was was hers, but um, I'm sure if I look through the credits, I could find it. But I uh, after I saw her name was on Yellow Jackets after watching The Invitation from 2015 and watching Jennifer's Body, I am actually intrigued to start watching that show because her name's attached to it. So. Miss Karen, keep up the good work, ma'am. I, 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 I could see her becoming a master. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out. <laughs> I, I think she's. I think it, it is. She's only been directing for 23 years, which isn't really that long in in the grand scheme of it. But she's put out some pretty good ones. I, I enjoy Jennifer Body, Jennifer's Body, even though I'm not a big, I, I'm not a big Megan Fox <laughs> fan per se. Uh, but I think. Without her direction, I, I could have seen that movie going very bad, not being as well liked as it was. In my personal opinion, yeah, no, I'd see that. I, I like the writing. I like the story. Acting was kind of. But I mean, that's me with all anything with Megan Fox's name on it personally. Um, but putting biasism aside, I did like Jennifer's body because um, the, the directing, the scenes, the way everything was shot was very, very um, story focused. And I enjoyed the way that she directed that film. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel that. Yeah. Um, this next one, Ms. actually introduced me to because I, I did not have any idea who this person was until chat GPT um, and Ms. brought up this name to me. Uh, Mr. Lee Winnell. I fucking love Lee. Lee Winnell is so fucking good. <laughs> with uh, with Lee with Lee Winnell, uh, for those that don't know, he is James Wan's best friend. They both went to like uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, filmography school, directing school, writing school. I'm not sure the name of it. Please, someone tell me. Um, they both went to school together. They both were friends. They they both got their their startup around the same time. Uh, but he wrote Saw 1, 2, and 3, Insidious Chapters 1, 2, and 3, as well as The Last Key, The Invisible Man from 2020, which has received high praise from Miz, as well as myself. Oh, yeah. um, he's also, I don't know if James Wan is attached to the Red Door or not, um, but uh, Lee Winnell wrote The Red Door. So They're both attached. It's their closing uh, of the series and everything. So That's what I thought. So Lee Winnell and James Wan, the reason why they're both like right up there with masters is because they've worked so well with each other. And they've, when they've gone their separate ways, they've like still been right there, like fresh thoughts, fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, with them and Saul alone, like I cannot praise them enough for everything they've given to me. Uh, and then like seeing Lee Winnell, when I heard about the Invisible Man, a hundred percent was like seeing, yeah. you know, the, those modern or the older generation things being brought to modern day times is not my favorite, but I'm it's Lee. I got to give this a chance. And I loved how he shot the entire film. There's so many good scenes in it. There's the way mm-hmm. the cinematography is in some spots. It just, there's so much good. So I yep. can't not 
deny him being a master. He's so fucking good. I agree. I, I'm going to put him next to James Wan because they go I, to me, they go hand in hand with each other on a exactly. lot of projects because um, uh, the, him like, write co-writers or an executive producer mm-hmm. or something like that. They, they help each other like through and through. They're so fucking good. And I, I think they have like that really good, just based off of the simple fact that they are best friends is that they both kind of feed off of each other's energy and then they just make magic happen because without Lee Winnell and James Wan, both co-writing uh, dead silence, I don't see how that movie would have been any better. I could have seen it being a lot worse. Um, oh yeah, for sure. But no, I, yeah, there's just so much right with them. They, they oh, yeah. are, Two of my favorite, like most modern directors ever. Like I loved everything. Like it's got their name on it. Mine. I love it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I I'm I'm right there with Miz because I I hadn't seen uh Invisible Man from 2020 until we started this podcast this podcast. And then Miz brought it up in conversation um episode like two or three, I forget which. And I was like, I'm gonna go watch it. And I watched it. And honestly, I like like everything that I love about Lee Winnell was put into that whole movie. And I was like, this is definitely Lee Winnell style writing. <laughs> it, it's just, he's so good with it. I, I love that film. It was I, good. It was great. Yeah. No, can't go wrong with Lee Winnell. <laughs> like, and James Wan. like I said, I like, I'm not into like directorial lives or anything like that, but like with those two, it's like, I'm up to date with them a lot. <laughs> I like yeah. checking in on them. There's, they're one of those few like celebrity things. I'm like, I got to see what they're up to. <laughs> I like they're, they're, they're two, they are two of the celebrities that I am slowly garnering as two of my favorite writers along, along with Jordan Peele, because not mm-hmm. only do they focus on like gore, but they also like make you think because I, like if you've, if you've watched any of the saws, the genius behind the entire trap, was not only like Kramer in some senses, but the way that they wrote the story to like misdirect you. Like I love their misdirections. I do. Oh yeah. They're so good. I also just um, love like the the early twists and stuff, especially mm-hmm. like that first one. The first one is done so well. It's just like holy fuck, could you imagine? <laughs> You know, what, would it would it be fair to move Jordan Peele up on this list? Because I feel like putting him oh, behind yeah, for sure behind John Landis would be a misservice. I'm going to put him kind of, kind of in between uh, Mr. Nakata and Guillermo. And then I'm going to move Mr. Nakata back one. So that way we have like, like no, no disrespect to anybody, but I feel like ranking Jordan Peele between these two is great because he's making his own way. My, my oh, yeah. opinion. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. But yeah, like I, I, I do. I love I love anything with with Lee Winnell's writing, uh, James Wan's directing and co-writing or both of them just working together on any project. They're both it, on a project. I'm there. <laughs> yep. And um, let me see. I had something else written down for him. Works a lot with works a lot with James Wan was the big was the big one. Um, but let's see. Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't sure if. James Wan was working on the red door because it didn't come up when I, when I looked up his filmography. So I just, I left that one off on him, but I put it down for Lee Winnell because I know that insidious was both of their babies. Oh yeah. And, and uh, Lee's been in like one of the main actors in all of them. That's right. I keep forgetting about that. 
I keep I, like I keep drawing a blank a blank on that blank blank on on that because I'm like I'm like Lee Winnell Lee Winnell why does that name sound so familiar Oh yeah he's also a, a, an actor too Jeez <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making my mind stop saying Why does that name sound so familiar <laughs> yeah, You're welcome <laughs> Um this next uh this next author I had not heard of and I feel like I did both her and myself a big disservice um is this uh, author named linda addison um not ringing a bell to me she is uh background on her is she has been writing since right around 1973 um she writes surprisingly she writes horror poetry horror stories sci-fi and sci-fi stories um she wrote little red in the hood the place of broken things how to recognize a demon has become your friend i'm gonna butcher this name please someone correct me s-y-c-o-r-a-x i think that's psychorax's daughter and don't turn the lights out it's a tribute to uh scary stories to tell in the dark as well as high stakes a vampire anthology and the beauty of death so I don't know nothing about this uh, oh, author. And I've, I'm sorry, real quick. I forgot to add. Uh, she is the first African-American woman. They're the first African-American winner of the Bram Stoker Award. Oh, nice. I forgot to mention so, that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so I'm going to have to throw it under hit and miss only because I have not read any of her stuff. But if she's got that that stamp of approval there, I definitely need to pay a lot more attention to this <laughs> yes i actually kind of want to bump her up towards working to become masters just for the simple fact that like i haven't read any of her books personally but the name the name of high stakes of vampire anthology kind of makes me want to read it just because of the pun that's in, in <laughs> involved in the name <laughs> so fair, like fair and I mean, I've never, I, I didn't know horror poetry was a thing. Like I kind of, oh, I kind of, yeah. kind of speculated that it was, but like with her having that stamp of approval of her being not only a winner of the Bram Stoker award, but being the first African-American to win it, I mm-hmm. definitely want to like learn more about her. Yeah. Same. I'm definitely going to be doing a lot after this. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to have to make my wife very happy and take a trip to Barnes and Noble. Oh no. Oh no! Here, let me help you twist my arm. Ow! <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would love to see more from Miss Addison or Mrs. Addison. Um, just for the simple fact that like like her her titles alone uh, are very interesting. But not only does she write all her stories herself, but she also write co writes along other authors. So like you'll see uh, her name alongside some other uh, more niche horror authors but i mean she's been around the block for some time so like mm-hmm. i think i think i could definitely see her in the mask like depending on depending on what I, I i read about her with um her horror poetry her horror books and anything that she may have co-written that i may read it'll probably bump her up the masters because she's she oh, yeah, is same. definitely uh seeming very influential to me personally who knows and i love the hair there in the timeless <laughs> i love the hair it's purple <laughs> yeah if it, like it depending depending on um 
depending on when we when we do a little bit more research on some of the people that we don't really know a lot about um if we choose to revisit this list which i could see us doing uh probably will for sure i was thinking the same thing just now (laughs) yeah i can i can see miss linda being up in one of these two tiers right here being either a timeless master off of her works or being a master in and of itself because like from what i read on her she has a very um adept like bookography or she's got a big catalog yeah big catalog thank you i was like bookography that doesn't sound right (laughs) um but i could i could definitely see her these two are out of um but yeah i could i could see her definitely being up in one of these tiers because she sounds she sounds like she's very influential because Mm -hmm, if exactly and i'm pretty sure if we when we whatever books i decided to react probably pinpoint where i remember that cultural influence and be like, okay, this is part of that too. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I think because there's only like a handful of people on this list that I hadn't heard of before. Miss Karen, uh, Miss Linda were two. Um, and then uh, what was the, what was the other one's name? She was early on in the list. She was the first hit or miss. Uh, not Anne Rice. Um, Let's see, Jordi Romero, Jillian Flynn. I feel like I feel like after after some more, these both Jillian and Miss Linda will probably get bumped up some. Sure, for sure. Yeah, just gotta see more from them, especially since I haven't seen much of them. Yeah, I, I have to agree, <laughs> but I I, I put I I I definitely put Miss Linda over uh, uh, over Miss Jillian because of the simple fact that like it for you to be praised and and win a, a literary award in your respective genre it takes a lot in my personal opinion oh yeah well, winning that award in general is always a lot <laughs> it carries a lot of weight with it yeah <laughs> uh next up is the mother of frankenstein and his monster because frankenstein is not the name of the damn monster i hate it when people say that sorry pet peeve of mine uh um, Miss Mary Shelley. So obviously I think that's a very easy timeless because I, I mean it's amongst her other works, I mean, that being the biggest one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh the culture shock that it's had on everybody for years and years and years, that whole trying to recreate the thing of immortality by other means has been like comic book things and villains and stuff. I think like there's so much that that her story alone has contributed. And it's considered also one of the original monster movies that like terrified mm-hmm. the shit out of people. And that's still a big thing today. And people are still trying to do like a good version of Frankenstein in their own respective regards, you know? So yeah, I agree hundred percent timeless. Cause I mean, hell without, without her, we wouldn't have uh, Frankenstein and his monster. Uh, she also wrote a book, which I didn't, I hadn't heard of. I did a little bit of research on, um, was the modern Prometheus. It was an early example of sci-fi. So mm-hmm. she uh, not only did that, but she also also was either a co-writer and editor or editor of her husband's books. Uh, but she's out of out of the two of them, she's the more notable of the Shelleys, uh, mm-hmm. as well as she has earned the title of Mother of Horror. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's and again, like the culture influence she has is astounding. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely going to put her above 
above Mr. Romero because of how influential she was. Because without her, I don't think we would have had the Romeros, the Carpenters, the H.G. Wells. Yeah, no, I I can agree with that. I'm on board. Oh, yeah, she's she's in, inspired so so much. When I was a kid, uh, the, the library at my middle school actually somehow had an a first a a, a copy or a recreation copy of her first edition of Frankenstein. And I had to write, I had to read that as a, as a part of a book report. It was good. It was, I, I loved it. I was like, Oh, this is where Frankenstein and his monster came from. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's been like, again, even like throughout all of like the hundred years or more, I'm definitely more of her works is like, still being used in like from kid friendly stuff to like adult themed, you know, it's, so good <laughs> like i i don't know any like kid that doesn't know frankenstein or anybody that really doesn't know what frankenstein is <laughs> i agree yeah because i mean like, like i think without these these big three right here i don't think we would have had this like horror the way that we have it today because mm-hmm. because of them having their early footprint on everything we would have had we would have had um, we wouldn't have had horror learn and evolve and adapt and become different genres and niches and all that fun stuff. So I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, no. Yeah, she's timeless. <laughs> For this next director. Uh, wait, hold on. No, I, I had that in the right order. He goes, he goes over there. There we go. I don't know how that got mixed up. Uh, For this next director, Mrs. mentioned him. I've mentioned him i love his works i love everything that he does uh and surprisingly he's done a lot of, he's actually done a lot more work than I, I i i had noticed initially mr mike flanagan yes so i love his movie styles more because i haven't seen his tv shows but like mm-hmm. mike flanagan has been a fantastic director he's definitely a master of his own art like he's mm-hmm. I agree. He reminds me of a more extreme Jordan Peele, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like where like Jordan Peele kind of has still some like silliness and or uh, fun, I guess you could say in some of his, like, I feel like Flanagan doesn't, but it's still that same yeah. like impact. I, Flanagan's a great director. I agree. Um, for those that have that, that aren't familiar with uh, Mike Flanagan, he's been directing since around about 2000 ish. He directed Oculus, one of my favorite movies. Uh, he also wrote it. And edited it, edit, edited it. There we go. Uh, as well as a movie called Absentina, which I have not seen, but that, that has his name attached to it. I'm probably going to go watch Hush, Before I Wake, Ouija, The Origin of Evil, which that one, again, he wrote, directed, and edited. The better Ouija. Yeah. <laughs> as well as The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. He wrote and directed both of those. I love those I love both of those shows, which I'm trying to get Miz to watch. Yeah, a lot of people are. <laughs> You'll enjoy them. You really will. You can definitely tell it's Mike Flanagan and it's very, very psychological. And I, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. It's very, I hear it's very yeah, grim. It is, but it also kind of makes you kind of check yourself psychologically. Cause you're like, uh, am I okay? <laughs> in a lot of the senses 
as well as uh, he wrote, directed and edited Dr. Sleep, which I enjoyed for what it was. There were some things I kind of wish that he would have left out and put in, but I enjoyed it overall. It was a good movie. Uh, another one that I'm trying to get Miz to watch as well as Midnight Mass and The Midnight Club. He bo- he uh, wrote, directed and edited those. Um, yeah. And surprisingly by by many many uh horror fans out there he is held as the new master of horror yes he's he's doing a fantastic job of it and he's really really good so he's definitely a master in that regard because like already he's his big five are like some like key points for a lot of people trying to go with the horror and like yeah he's just he's very very good at what he does I agree. He, uh, uh, I, I love the fact that a lot of his, I'd say probably about a good 99.9% of his works are psychological and, and mm-hmm. like, even, even if they're like, uh, like Ouija, like Ouija was very psychological. Like it made it like it, it made people feel like they were going crazy in the movie and it like it toyed with their minds, made them double guess stuff along with, uh, Haunting a Hill House, Bly Manor, and Oculus. Like I love his psychological horrors. He's easily one of my one of my favorite directors when it comes to that. Oh yeah, he's he's making a big name for himself. He's so good, very good. And and you can tell you can tell his directing style. He has a very uh, signature directing style. I would <laughs> say is because he's he's not. Uh, he's not like some of the other some of the other directors on here. You can interchange them out and not see a difference in their directing style, but you'll tell the difference between them because of the the way that the scene is shot, wrote, and or directed. But overall, a couple of them have like different approaches that are very similar. Um, whereas like Mike Flanagan, same as Jordan Peele, Clyde Barker, uh, Guillermo, um, and James Wan, all have like their signature like to it they they uh yeah, with james no, Wan is the way the scenes are shot along with the filters uh guillermo's makeup scene uh, scene viewpoint clive is the way that the the way the focus is shift between characters and then you have mike which is like very like is it you that's going crazy is it my, is it the people in my film we don't know <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. He's he's definitely good. I can't wait to see more from him. He's so good. Mm-hmm. I think he has something coming out soon, but I didn't get a name or of what it was. I think he's I think he's got his hand in, in a few pots coming up here soon. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to him. <laughs> oh yeah, you you. I think you'll like. I think you'll like um, haunting haunting on Hill House. In all honesty, uh, that's what I keep being told, but. I'm. I will watch it when I watch it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I know. And uh, like when when you do watch it, please, 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 friggin' just message me and just be like, "Hey, you were right. You were wrong. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like." Because I know how you are. You're gonna. You're gonna. Yeah, I know. My my wife's gonna be the first one to hear the earful, and then I'll I'll let you know. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to this. This is gonna be great. It's gonna be a great time. <laughs> But um, yeah, like um, one thing one thing I do notice a lot about uh, going back to James Wan real quick. One thing I do notice about him is that not only is it the scene that really tells the story for me, but it's the way he filters it. 
because mm-hmm. like some things have different colored scenes to make your eye go to different parts of the film and stuff like that. And I, that I really enjoy that. Feel? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. that rustic feel. It's super good. I, I, I love that about him. He's 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 very uh, visually driven as well as story driven in a lot of his films. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one I have not hidden my dislike for my dislike for uh, on a lot of his movies. Uh, M Night Shyamalan <laughs> has a lot of hit or miss with me. Uh, for those that don't know M Night Shyamalan, he's been directing since around about 1992, so right at 31 years, he directed and wrote The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village, The Happening, Devil, 2010, which I actually liked. The Visit and didn't like Split, Old, Knock at the Cabin, as well as uh, Glass, which I still have not seen. Um, but and everyone's a little fee-free fucking the Avatar last year, Bender, everyone shits on, which rightfully so. Yeah, uh, like, Ong! No, it's Aang. Did you, did you not pay attention to the source material, Am Knight? Huh? <laughs> Mr. Shyamalan? So, for, for me... Love him or hate him. I always saw to say, yeah, they give the due respects. He's a very good and he's a master at what he does because again, everyone's got the what a twist from him, you know, and like mm-hmm. his, his twists in his early career were like really interesting good. and very weird and like, oh my God, this is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like some of his new works. Uh, the visit I really loved. I really loved uh, old. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I th- I would still say he's a, he's a master in that because it is still influential, whether it be the right or wrong reasons you can mm-hmm. argue with or whatever. But I would still say he's a master in that regards. It's one of those mm-hmm. like love him or hate him, biasisms aside kind of thing. Like regardless of how you feel, like he has a culture impact a lot. I I would have to agree to a certain extent. Um, with me, honestly. I feel like if you took the twist out of some of his movies, it would make them better. Like The Village, if you would have took the twist ending out, which uh, if you haven't seen The Village, spoilers. Um, but the twist ending was that it wasn't 16. It wasn't the 1600s. It was modern day. Just a group of people living out in the woods that didn't want their uh, their children to find out that there was an outside world outside of them. Because the outside uh, world's bad. And outside world scary. And then with the happening, it like the twist, the twist for that one. If you haven't seen that one, I apologize. Spoilers. Uh, the trees were killing the people. And then you had Mark Wahlberg, Mike, Mark Wahlberg's iconic scene, which never fails to get a laugh out of me. He bursts in the room. It's the trees. <laughs> like no, no context or anything. Like it just, just him just, it's the trees. <laughs> like I feel I feel like if he if if he took the twist ending, if he if he didn't focus so much on the twist, I would definitely be behind him a lot more. I get how because yeah, I, I the only one I haven't really seen that uh was one that was supposed to kind of put him back on the map in a sense was uh knock at the cabin. I heard mm-hmm. like he he hit a good spot with it but then he had to retell what he told in the beginning kind of thing i haven't seen it but like i feel like they had to yeah. do a double take on everything like a recap like towards the end it was like that's kind of a weird way to do it but sure yeah 
And um, another thing for me, honestly, is that what I've noticed with him is he'll have like a good streak of movies that come out like, uh, you know, you have the Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable. Those are freaking considered hits. But then you have for every one of those that he puts out, then he has the villages, the happenings, mm-hmm. the visit. For, the visit for me personally, I didn't really like the visit just because of the twist like his his movies with me depend on the twist ending whether i like them or not and the twist ending for the visit i did not like it was i get that i mean i saw the twist and it's just like okay it's not really hard to deduce in a sense you know but it was more of like i just love the like the kids in that movie on how they are and how they're reacting to all this and how well they're handling themselves. I think just me and my wife actually really love the visit. Um, we talk about it quite often. Um, same with like old, how that twist was. I know that wasn't everybody's cup of tea. I appreciated it for what it was. (laughs) Yeah. And like for, I haven't, I, I still haven't seen old just yet because like for, for me personally, not seeing an M night Shyamalan movie isn't really a, isn't really make or break a lost yeah lost a waste of time kind of thing yeah it's more so like this one's gonna throw it on and i'm there sure but i'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it (laughs) yeah exactly like i mean yeah it's on uh, old is on netflix right now i think the visits on hbo max i could be wrong but i haven't watched either one of them just because just well i have watched the visit but i didn't watch it on hbo max or whatever it's on now but um I, I, i like for all of the good that he puts out for me, he puts out a lot more bad because after, because I feel like where he really messed up was with the last airbender because we didn't hear anything from him for about five years. He was kind of bullied off the internet for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 everything for a bit. and not, not saying that bullying is, is right, but he kind of deserves some of that backlash. <laughs> he, he, he did for what it was. And and the part that really messed it up for me was he still included his signature twist ending, which was that uh, uh, friggin' uh, Azula. Azula was the next big bad on on his on his guaranteed sequel that he was supposed to have. That was his twist ending. Was introducing <laughs> Azula, and I was like. I'm 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 going to I'm going to just go find out where he lives and I'm going to poop in his mailbox. That, that, <laughs> we're going to call it even there. So then would you be fair to put him in becoming master then, or would you rather feel more comfortable with him and hit and miss for you? Cause I'm praising him pretty high for me personally. I would put him in hit or miss because for the hits that he has, I say he hits way out of the park and I love him. But for the misses, they outweigh those ones. <laughs> yeah. Like they like, cause the miss, the misses are equal. Like, for like I think I think for Shyamalan's case in my in, in my personal perspective is that for the hits that he does have are like out of the park like way like they're good like the sixth sense cine, like cinemat- cinematic masterpiece signs love it or hate it I enjoyed it it was great the happening made me want to fight somebody in the movie theater because of Mark Wahlberg just bursting into the room covered in sweat panicking it's the trees that was the whole twist the entire time was that the plants were tired of people fucking up and they decided to kill them i was just like 
Oh. And then the fact that I spent twelve ninety nine, twelve ninety nine plus tax <laughs> to to rent from Blockbuster the village. God damn it all. <laughs> like me and my mom sat down and watched it. We thought it was terrifying. We loved it because it, it like this was back when I thought M. Night Shyamalan could do no wrong. This was after I'd watched Unbreakable, the, the Signs, The Sixth Sense. You know, this is way after all that. And then I turned around and watched The Village. And I thought it was so scary up to the point to where they escaped over that wall and out into the free world to find out that it was modern day. I was like, hmm. This makes me want to poop in his mailbox. That's what <laughs> that's what this movie does. And then I seen right after that, I saw the happening and I was like, God damn it. And then I seen and then I seen Avatar, the last airbender. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> but no, I guess I, I, I see where you're coming from. So I would argue to throw them in becoming master because when they do hit, they hit really, really well. But I do see your point of uh, not everyone being in those misses outweighing it definitely are valid <laughs> but and then uh after after him coming back from being bullied off the internet for however long he made split i love split i love glass those those honestly i would say were really good but then i watched the visit and i was just like because i watched him out of order i really did i watched uh split on a uh, streaming service Whenever it was on there, I think I watched it on Netflix. I could be wrong. Um, and then I watched The Visit like right after that. And I was just like, oh, so close. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I get where you're coming from on that for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, I would have to rank him very, very low on becoming master just for the simple fact that like for, for what he does, for what he does, he does well. I will give him that like his. His his plot twists are very hard to see coming, and I will I will argue that to the day that I die. But if he didn't focus, if he didn't make that the main focus of every single one of his movies, I would put him in Masters because that's for what he does. For what he does do well with, for what he does well, he does very well with horror. But not every single one of his movies has to have that signature M Night. Shyamalan twist ending like brute like like uh for me six cents without Bruce Willis being dead at the end wouldn't have been the same six cents it made the movie that much better but the happening without Mark Wahlberg saying oh it's the trees would have made it better <laughs> like if it, if, it, if, it, if they would have just figured out hey it's the planet trying to kill us back it, it would have been that's like oh okay that, that's a unnamed uh thing happening at you would have been happier than knowing that's fucking trees <laughs> yeah like how like how did the trees become sentient who, who who fucked up this bad to piss off the plants and then uh the village like i feel like if he would have just made it a nameless monster that was attacking the village and then there was like some secret way to defeat them make that be the twist okay but for them to just climb the wall, the monsters be people, and then it be the modern day, and it's not really the 1600s. I was like, that was a whole hour and a half for it to just mean nothing. <laughs> like you, you, you wrote an entire movie where it was centered, where it was centrally focused on it being the 1600s, just for it to not be the 1600s, and everything up to this point was just completely invalid. 
I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So like, like take, take notes. M night Shyamalan, please see this. Please, please email me. I have, I have notes. I have notes. God damn it. <laughs> I have complaints I would like to make with you, sir. <laughs> and they're very, they are very egregious. <laughs> I, I I need a first off. I need a public apology for what you did to Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> and then we can talk shop. <laughs> but um, next up, I I had I had not heard about this author, uh, and I did a huge injustice to her. And I keep saying that for all the ones that I haven't heard of, but like after after I read a little bit about their their bio they're like their their biographical background of, of what they've written books that they've authored movies that they produce stuff like that i'm like oh shit mm-hmm. um but this name is a very big has a very big cult following and her name is shirley jackson oh yeah uh she wrote the haunting of hill house the lottery summer people which is a short story as well as we have always lived in the castle, which was her final novel before she passed away. Uh, I'm not sure when she passed away, but she began writing in 1948. She's considered the queen of horror. uh, And her final book is regarded as her masterpiece. And uh, she's, she's such a big influence, especially when it comes into the horror world. Like she's, like obviously the Continent Hill House and like all ghost movies are like really accredited towards that right there Mm -hmm. because of like how, like that supernatural feeling was and given us that to this horror world. Yeah. She's definitely a timeless piece. Like Mm -hmm. we still tell horror stories to this day and in that style, put her right next to mystery. She wills. But uh, also fun fact about her is that her books are, uh, have recently be, have recently began to be republished by penguin publishing because there's such a high demand for her books from horror lovers and horror enthusiasts and other horror authors that are inspired mm-hmm. by her. But um, I feel without her, we wouldn't have uh, the Mike Flanagan's because a lot of her books, honestly, are kind of psychological in, in their own regard. Uh, but they are very inspirational. I, I find oh, her yeah. being a very big inspiration. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, she's definitely, uh, definitely one that needs to be in the time. She's, contributed so so much she she really has and she didn't she didn't write for for very long i think she was right around like 30 years when she passed because i think she passed away in the 70s i could be wrong but um she for like the 30 some odd years that she did write 30 or 40 years that she did write uh she did like just each book just stepped up the next level from what i understand because she not only focused on horror but she did other uh books too but uh, she also got rejected out of writing um, pieces for good housekeeping mm-hmm. and other like magazines because of the fact that they considered her to be uh, controversial. But I'm so happy with the fact that she wrote Haunting of Hill House because I, I have not read the book. I'm going to. And I love the show that was inspired. The the shows that were inspired by her book, both Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, were they're just great. They're great. I love them. So yeah, no, okay. she's she's definitely timeless in there. Yeah, she's I, belong. 
I fully agree because she revolutionized a, an entire genre all all on her own. And to be, I mean, to be considered the queen of horror, to yeah. be considered the king, queen, fill in the blank here of horror, I think is very influential in its own regard. And yep, no, I agree. And now, <laughs> as we were saying earlier, um, this this next one, yeah, I think everyone's heard them. I mm-hmm. could be mistaken, whether it be the TV adaptations of his books or the movie mountainous movies, <laughs> or a- any modern horror writer attributes. Hey, yeah, because of his works, I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a uh, Mr. Stephen King. Surprisingly, I thought he I thought he was actually much older than what he is. And I don't know why I did, but um, he's only been writing since around about 1971. So that's 40. No, that's yeah, that's that's 52 years. He's been authoring. He's been authoring books. Uh, he wrote it. The Shining, The Mist, Pet Cemetery, Misery, Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Green Mile, which honestly isn't horror. And. That's probably one of the very few books that he wrote that isn't horror. Uh, Dreamcatcher, Doctor Sleep, The Dark Tower, Room 1408, and has numerous amounts of film and TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the other things, too, is one of his books that uh, my mother introduced me to, which was not as horror, was uh, I think it was Eyes of the Dragon. Very not Stephen King-like, but a fantastic book. So. He's uh, definitely 100% a timeless classic because, I mean, you can't deny his influence on, like, everything horror and how he brought things, especially for, like, the our parents and grandparents with, like, The Shining and so on and so fair. forth because he is still, like, being regarded right now and still his works are being adapted to this day. So he's he's definitely had a huge impact and mm-hmm. rightfully so. <laughs> I agree. He, um, I was going to rank him actually very high on masters, but I can, I now, now that you mention it, yeah, I can see him being in the timeless masters just for the simple fact that he has had a lot of adaptations of his books turned into movies, miniseries, TV shows. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I don't like is the fact that a lot of people, the only, the, the only one complaint that I have about him is the simple fact that, people herald him as the king of horror whereas i consider him to be more of uh more of a modern day maverick of horror personally personally like not to sell him short no no i see where you're coming from but the reason why i I herald him everything that's the why Mm -hmm. that's the reason why is the way he wards everything you can so easily picture what he's trying to describe maybe slightly and everybody else is obviously but like you have this like very detailed image without having like a long overdrawn out process of trying to explain mm-hmm. or elaborate and I, I i the reason why i also call him a maverick is because he gets inspiration for his books from very weird places the uh misery the inspiration for misery was he got ran over by a car or he got hit by a car excuse me and while he was laying in his bed not able to move very much it gave him the idea to write uh to write the book misery which then became the movie that came out in 1980 something i can't remember the exact date or 1990 something 
And then uh, his inspiration for, oh, what was it? What was it? What was it? Um, the Shining was because he stayed at a, at a, fa- at a famously haunted hotel in Colorado, which uh, also allowed him to uh, write the book, The Room, uh, the room 1408. Um, I can't remember the name of the exact uh, hotel. But him staying in that hotel from his experiences that he saw and had happened to him in because he stayed in the most haunted room in, in the entire hotel. Number one. Number two, he didn't stay the entire night. And number three, uh, like from that, he took the inspiration from that and was like, I'm going to make a hotel scary. Watch this. <laughs> and um, from from that one experience, he wrote a total of three books, which was The Shining, Dr. Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining, in case you didn't know. And there's another sequel to that, which I can't remember what it was, um, as well as 1408. But the sequel to Dr. Sleep isn't um, inspired from his stay at the what was what what inspired the Overlook Hotel. I cannot remember the name of the actual hotel, but that's why I consider him more of a maverick is because he just like he he gets his inspiration from weird stuff. And I can respect that. That's fair. But yeah, yeah no, you, I, you can't deny his works. That's the thing. No. Like that's why he's like easily in the, the timeless because it's still a culture hit right now, and it still mm-hmm. goes. Even and I'm pretty sure long after he's gone, because I mean, the movies that were done like in the '80s and the little miniseries and stuff, like early '90s, are now becoming like these bigger, like bigger, bigger budget films and like being mm-hmm. huge, huge hits. Because. um I think back in either the early 2000s or late 90s, I don't remember which, but they were talking about turning the Dr. Sleep book into a miniseries, which we got the Dr. Sleep movie from, which I don't remember. I I said the name and I'm going to kick myself for this later, but I don't remember. One of the directors listed above directed that film. And Mm. I think it, uh, I think it, I think it turned out pretty good. I enjoyed the film. I think if you haven't seen it and you like horror that's kind of like thrilling yet suspenseful you'll enjoy that movie um whereas like uh i I wasn't a big fan of 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 pet cemetery the book but i love the movie so i i I do have that with some of his his works too and i have the adverse on some of them too like uh let's see uh the dark tower that's the that's the one dark tower Um, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I I've, haven't either. I've heard mixed things about it, so I'm like yeah. very hesitant to. I really want to because those are childhood books that I grew up with. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the uh, like, I wasn't a big fan of the book per se, but I hear that the the movie adaptation is supposed to respect the book but do its own thing. And I can, I can, I yeah, can definitely. I heard that. they kind of like they kind of did like one and two together. It was a weird thing either way, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to see it still. I agree. So yeah, like I like like for me, he's 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 a hit or miss on some of his books to movie adaptations and vice versa. Whereas like there's some things I'd wish that they'd include from the movies or from the books in the movies. And there's some things that I wish that the movies would have avoided that the books had in them that they included. But um and then me not liking some of the movies, whereas I like some of the books on some of the things like the shining book, yeah. way scarier than the movie. I love the movie, love the book, but with like pet cemetery, didn't like the book, love the movie. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, 
and yeah, I just, I, 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 I see him, I see him being a timeless master long after he's gone, which surprisingly, I didn't know this until we did our, uh, trivia. Didn't know his, his son was also an author. Yeah. Uh, when, when, uh, they did the into the tall grass, I think it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know they, I didn't know they co-wrote stuff together. That's pretty cool. Honestly, in my personal yeah. opinion, but, um, this next one is, uh, at this one, I, I love, 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 love him as a director, but at the same time, I hate him. <laughs> yes. and that, yeah, it's a, a director called Takashi Shimizu. If you're not familiar with the name, he wrote and directed Grudge 1, 2, 3, and 4 in both the English and Japanese versions, as well as Night Cry, Innocent Curse, Dark Tales from Japan, and Go Home. So for me, he's working his way to be master. I like his works that yes. I have seen. Um, I, it's just not my uh, type of horror, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I and- see what he's doing, and I see how he is, and he's very, very good. I can see him honing in that craft and becoming a master for sure oh yeah and one one thing that i do got to praise him for is that a lot of from from the movies that i've seen of his as well as like the research that i've done on the movies that i haven't seen of his a lot of his movies are centered around uh japanese folklore like the grudge is mm-hmm. about I, I can't remember the name of it but it's about an angry spirit that dwells in homes um uh, Dark Tales from Japan, that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, and then Go Home, Night Cry, Innocent Curse, like all of those are focused around like Japanese urban, uh, Jap- Japanese myths as well as legends that have traumatized countless people throughout that country for <laughs> ages <laughs> upon ages. Yeah, so no, I respect very, that. Very good. So yeah, I can definitely see them becoming a master. Just, just, mm-hmm. uh, just a little bit more but definitely could see it happening. Yeah. I, I was going to rank him lower on the masters just for, just for the right behind, right behind Mr. Nakata, because they're the only two Japanese, uh, and, or people that have directed their, their exact same films, films in both English and Japanese, as well as, you know, like other, uh, languages as well, because mm-hmm. they inspired, they inspired American film, film producers to be like, Hey, you want to make that over here with us too, please? <laughs> please. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, like I, I think that's pretty cool. But he's also the only one on this list that is uh, lore focused. Where I, I respect that. I like lore. I like history. I like uh, legends, urban legends, myths, stuff like that. And he's the only one that inspired that. But for uh, what I think is actually really funny is that Candyman had the adverse it had or not adverse it had the reverse of that because Candyman as you remember as a kid the movie came out and then the urban legend followed mm-hmm. and I thought that was hilarious and then looking back at it now because when we were kids we had the Bloody Mary urban legend yeah and then and then the Candyman urban legend followed after we saw the movie and then we we're like wait a minute <laughs> yeah for real but uh, last one on the list I'm, is an instant. Certainly, certainly not least. 
No, definitely not. We saved one of the best for last, one of the most influential directors, in my personal opinion, uh, to have had his thumb in the pie. That is horror, Mr. Wes Craven. And that to me is an immediate, immediate timeless. Not only for the fact of like with Freddie, <clears> that he brought us this like amazing serial killer kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. he's had two really big, like, characters stapled in horror which is freddy and ghostface like Mm -hmm. to have two iconic things attached to horror like within a few years of each other it's like what i think like 10 15 years apart if that yeah it's so good and uh the reason why i'm i'm even uh, like I, i i will even argue that this man is a timeless master is because he was the first horror director to give us killers with personalities Mm-hmm. because before that we had our leather faces we had our michael myers we had our jasons which i love i love horror i i, I love michael myers i love jason for their own respective rights but freddie was the first serial killer slash supernatural entity to give us a personality because he wasn't quiet he didn't just stalk you he he made jokes about killing you he made jokes that hurt your feelings he called you names Dick. Yeah. And then to follow that up to, to single-handedly create Ghostface, who also had a personality. He wasn't just a killer. He had a method. He had a madness and he made it. And uh, whether it be one killer or several killers throughout the movie, mm-hmm. they all had their own personalities and their own traits that made each Ghostface a different version of the same killer. And I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was done really, really well. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else to say with Wes. I mean, he's brought so many good things. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. so many good films, not just in his horror uh, repertoire, but like, he's just so good. So fucking good. I love Wes Craven. And, and um, what's, what's really funny is that uh, I didn't know, I didn't know some of these movies were his. I had to go back and, and double check, but he wrote and directed screams one through four, uh, five and six are, have his name on them in some way, shape or form. Uh, five is, uh, or yeah, five is accredited with, is give, is giving credit to him in remembrance of him. And six, of course, is a continuation of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also wrote and directed the last house on the left in 1972. Did not know that was him. Uh, all nightmare on Elm streets, even the bad ones, which, you know, Wes Craven's new nightmare for Miz and the reboot that came out. I appreciate the reboot, but yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I said, like, Hills Have Eyes, the original one, is like one of the first iterations I ever had of an, an encounter with Wes Craven, same with Emmer uh, on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. It's such a staple for my, like, adolescence into loving the horror world because of that. And that's why, like I said, like, Emmer uh, on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors is my absolute favorite because it, like, continues off, like, uh, Craven's original idea without really being too bad or too over the top or whatever, like too B feel. And it was yeah. so good. And plus it's such a better improvement than two. <laughs> I, I like, I like dream warriors because they were like, wait, we're in our dream. Why can't we fight back? And I was just like, I haven't saying that for the last two movies. <laughs> so good. It's a, just, oh, yeah. Timeless, 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 timeless. Um, Another one I didn't know that he uh, directed was Vampire in Brooklyn. He helped. He helped. He helped write that. 
And I don't know to, to what capacity, but he helped write that as well as direct that. And that makes sense as well as writing and directing the people under the stairs. One of my all time favorite horror movies. Um, the Twilight Zone in 1985 to 1986 for five episodes. As well as Curse from 2005, a movie called My Soul to Take, which I liked. A lot of people didn't. I, I, I appreciated that one. I, I liked it. It was a very good, like, bringing back that teenage fear like Scream did. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like it, it did a very good job of it. I, I appreciated that film. I also I also like the fact that it kind of uh, delved more into the supernatural aspect and it wasn't mm-hmm. just a slasher. But looking back at it now, I, I could definitely see some of Wes Craven's influence on that. Oh, yeah, um, always. And uh, of course, The Hills Have Eyes, both one and two from 1977 and 1984. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that he wrote the originals to... Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2, as well as uh, Vampire in Brooklyn and The People Under the Stairs. I did not know he had his, uh, did not have, so, I didn't know that he had that on there. Yeah, no, so Last House on the Left, it was, the original is really, really good. Uh, yeah. It's pretty messed up. And then, like, that is still the one remake that I feel did such a good job with a very specific scene in the, like, for the sake of a scene, like all the right ways to make the audience super uncomfortable because that scene is yeah. still super hard to watch. I uh, mm-hmm. like, I remember like being in theaters being like, I can't look away. This is, this feels too real. And that's what I love. And that's like what Wes Craven's ideas really bring. Cause even in the original, it feels that way too. It's like, Oh my God, to, to kind of keep that feeling from a movie that's like 30, 40 year gap is so impressive. I agree. And the, and, and the fact that like, He kind of, and the fact that he not only gave like killers personalities, but he wasn't scared to kind of like think outside the box with, with like his horror in in and of itself. Cause like, I mean, he wrote people under the stairs. Like how Mm. did he make, how did he make like a home invasion turn into a frigging horror movie turn into something that wasn't even meant to be a horror in the first place? You know, like, like how did he make that scary? Like, it it takes a lot of skill to do what Wes Craven did. And oh, yeah. um not and and he was doing this well before Stanley and respect and rest in peace to Stanley. But not only was he writing and directing his films, but he also made a lot of cameos throughout a bunch of his films. Oh yeah. And I didn't I I looking back at it now, I knew that, but I did not know that at the same time. Yeah, I feel you. It's like M. Night Shyamalan does the same thing in all of his films. Yeah. Because he was the he was the drunk driver that killed Bruce or not Bruce Willis's wife, the freaking Mel, Gibson. Mel Gibson's <laughs> wife in in signs. Thank you. I almost pulled another Keith Urban, Carl Urban. <laughs> that one would have been way worse. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, like I like I, I do like the fact that Wes Craven, like you know, he influenced the horror genre in a completely new direction. Whereas like uh, a lot of horror directors put their own spin on it. He made his own spin and I Mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoyed everything that he made. And he even now to this day has stuff coming out that was influenced by him. Oh yeah. Uh, And he's, and he's still again, one of the godfather of horrors because like everyone will always attribute like a nightmare on Elm street being like one of the 
things that set them over the edge or like mm-hmm. fell in love with it because it's it's timeless like it's gonna be a staple for the horror genre and and what and what's also really really funny is that two of his uh, his two his two most iconic killers that being ghostface and freddy were adapted into not only movies but freddy got his own tv show in the 90s for a little mm-hmm. while it was i think it was like freddy's nightmare or something like that and then uh both of them got adapted into video games mm-hmm. be- before Wes Craven passed away. And they're both yeah. on Dead by Daylight. It's so good. <laughs> it is and so good. Cameo in, uh, well, Freddy was made cameo in uh, Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he I, he was one of my favorite characters to play with once you if you had the DLC for him, but I did not. Yeah. <laughs> my friends did, but I didn't. <laughs> I made sure to get that DLC. That was a 100% must get. <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely agree. But um. Yeah, that that wraps up our list of the 30 most influential masters of horror and all that fun stuff. Um, Let us know your guys' thoughts, whether you agree, disagree, learn something new, got introduced to a new director, author, screenplay artist, what have you. Um, Because I I, I love to hear feedback on this type of stuff. Oh, yeah. No, same. I was going to say, let us know who some of your favorites are. Yeah, because I honestly... I think we hit I think we hit a lot of the big names and some that were actually really, really niche that I, I hadn't heard of. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because uh, there was some that we both hadn't heard like that are in the hit and misses and mm-hmm. we need more more of it. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Uh, but for me, uh, until next time, everyone. Uh, yeah, from uh, me, too. I, we'll see you on the next one. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it because we have. Uh, surprise you're coming up in a couple episodes exactly a couple episodes too so (laughs) yeah exactly it's gonna be great can't wait (laughs) me either but uh bye bye